0: T-notes. T-notes.
1: And now, monumental sports and entertainment along with Pressbox presents stand the fans bat around the next two hours listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at stanthefan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys take it away.
2: And welcome aboard on this Saturday, the twenty eighth of October. It is time for your weekly dose of the bat around. Stan the fan along with Craig Heist, Ponza Tufa is in the house. And guys, let me start off by saying it's really lucky that all three of us were right on the money with the Astros winning this series. Absolutely. All three of us.
3: Well, you know, they, there's a stat out there that uh, since they went to the two three two format yeah. back in the forties, I guess it was. Right. Uh you know, 11 of 16 or 11 of 17, I think it is, over the last few, you know, two, right. two, two, two decades, I guess, uh, has has wound up. The winner of Game 3 has gone on to win the World Series. 11 out of 17. Right. Well, so.
2: well thank God all three of us were on the, in the
1: <laughs> yeah. Astros camp. Right.
3: Yeah. I,
2: I know one of us was. <laughs> no, it was two of you. The two of you. No. Okay. I like the <laughs> Dodgers, and I was feeling pretty... Pretty, pretty good on uh, Wednesday night yeah. with uh, Kenley Jansen out there to start the ninth inning with a one-run lead. I
3: would have felt and better. trying to get in, six outs.
2: Uh, no, yep. I know. I know.
3: Trying to get outs number four, yeah. five, and six. Right, but then he gives up the inherited yeah. run to make it three to two. He gives up the home run to tie the game and then winds up giving up another run. So, I mean, you know, again, did he he's, give up another no, run? No, I don't think he did. He didn't give up an okay. One. Gave up the tie run. The ta- yeah, the, the home, home run, run. The run. Tie run. The, yeah. But I mean, again, you're looking at a a situation where, for as good as he is, you're, you're in game one for God's sakes, Look. or game two for God's sakes, and you're using your closer for six outs. I mean, I, I thought that was terrible. I thought, first of
2: all, I think I thought the whole series cascaded. Not, I won't say out of control. But I thought taking Rich Hill out after four innings where he'd allowed one run, struck out seven batters. Oh,
3: and he was visibly happy about
2: it. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that that was really a a bad decision. Yeah, it was. I thought it led everything to being moved up a little bit. Then I thought for as great as Brandon Morrow has been the second half of this season, for him to get the seventh inning, give up one hit, and then run to your closer in the game 2. Now, that's two mistakes in my book, okay? And I'll call them and I said they were mistakes at the time, not after the fact. Then you only have one chance to win a World Series. You know, it's the year you're in. You can't say, "Well, we're going to we're going to spend all this money. We'll be here every year." Just and ask Cal gonna, Ripken. Right, exactly. So what did you think of the move after the Dodgers tie the game twice? They the come back to tie right. the game, of going with Brandon McCarthy instead of immediately saying, you know what? I got a really good chance to win this game now. The momentum's in our favor, they're out of their closer and everything. I've got a guy in the bullpen that can go f- easily four shutout innings. Yeah, and at that time you don't know you don't would, know how long the game's going to go. I would go with Alex Wood there. I wouldn't go with Brandon McCarthy, the guy who hasn't pitched in 24 days and I think only threw six or seven innings the entire second half of the year right. in the major leagues. I thought that was an absolutely terrible decision um, because I thought and and if everybody's saying, well, who would he have you started? You were perfectly set up where where Kershaw had had extra rest going into Game 1. Had, had, ah, there we go. Dang, Greg. Had, only, it, Craig. Yep, 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 had <laughs> only thrown... on that. That's all right. <laughs> there you go. That's all right. Had, he, he, Kershaw had extra rest going into Game 1, pitched masterfully, only threw 83 pitches. When in the world are you going to be better set up to have him pitch Game 4?
3: Well, and again, when you go back to Kershaw, you're sitting there... With the, the the situation of this this whole idea about you know having him go through the lineup for the third straight time, if he's pitching well, I don't see what the issue is with that. It's not like he's not used to doing that. But you're you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I I would have gone with Alex Wood there. Uh, a better choice because at that time, like you said, a guy that can go three or four innings—you would never know. You're tied up at the point. In, right, in and the, the guy game. had a 2.13 ERA, and, you don't, and you don't know how long the game is going to go at that point. So, so here's
2: my question: Now let's say that Dave Roberts loses tonight; he's behind three games to one. Let's just say that, okay? Kershaw pitches Game Five. Right. They win Game Five they're up 3 to 2. Houston comes back and wins game 6. Now it's with tied. Verlander on the mound. With Verlander, which is almost uh, an assurance, okay. <laughs> Who do you think he's going to start in game 7? You think he's going to start you, uh, Darvish or K- Clayton Kershaw? Now he's going to start Kershaw on two da- on on two and a half days rest. Right. So uh, uh, the the move, the perfect move at that point. Well, and is, left, here's right? here's the situation too. If you win Game Two and you're up two nothing, then you can you can massage Finagle Game Four. Bit, yeah. You don't have to start Kershaw now. In my opinion,
3: starting Wood tonight is really a doubling down on a mistake. It's doubling down on a mistake, but it also last night's game also put them behind the eight ball. Uh, with Darvish only lasting an inning in two-thirds right. mm-hmm. because it forced him to use almost every member of that bullpen last
2: night. And he had to use his setup guy right. in the sixth inning last night. I, I just think Dave Roberts has had a—and a, I like him. I'm not suggesting he gets fired, but I think he's had a really bad— w- now, where a- he's a- had a- to make a couple decisions. I think he's made the wrong—
3: Well, now, A.J. Hinch, on the other hand— there's a lack of confidence in some of the guys in his bullpen as well. But this this is the difference, in my mind, a lot between the analytical end of this right. and the sight test, if you will, if you're a manager. right. And he knew that Brad Peacock was Had bringing it, it, last it last night, night yep. and he was bringing it. Yep. And he let him go out there and go three and two-thirds and complete the ball game, and they get a win. And that was in a game where the Astros left twelve on base through eight <laughs> innings, I know. Right. Uh, so, so there there was a lot more opportunity to score more than just the five runs that they did.
2: Uh, guys, I'm asking you both to set an example to like and share our broadcast on Facebook.com/slash PressBox Sports. Right. Yep. Okay. I got
3: that right it's to start. Like my father, set an example. <laughs> what the hell is that all about? Yeah, set an example. Do I it always right. do. Every do day, right. I set an example. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I,
2: I wasn't not, talking about setting example. Might not
3: be the best one. No, it's, it's really not the best. One. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. Well, anyway, that's the um, that's the big news in the World Series. They will play Game Four
3: tonight. And, again, that will start, what, roughly about 8-12, 8-15, something like that? Yeah, all the games, all the games Eastern time are going to be shortly after 8 o'clock once they get through with the pregame hoopla and everything. Right. 7 o'clock Central for the Dodgers, I mean for the Astros games at home. And and I would imagine and the roof o'clock. will be closed again it was closed you, last night. You would have to think the team there, so
1: wants it to be closed. I think the, Who team, the yeah. team Astros I mean, wants.
3: Uh, but eventually, whether the team wants it or not, it's still MLB's up, in, up to Major League Baseball to decide that. But I think with uh, and, and I'm not a meteorologist by any chance, but there's a chance But you did sleep at a Holiday right, Inn Express exactly, last night. But there is supposed to be cold <laughs> weather heading further south in terms of you know maybe frost and stuff like that. Temperatures in the low 40s uh you know whether it gets as far south as Houston in Texas right i don't know but uh, certainly Dallas is expecting that
2: all right well anyway game 4 tonight it will as of as of this morning it's still uh um alex wood pitching left-handed pitcher alex wood for the dodgers who let's let's be honest is not uh you know sliced bread uh, I mean, he had a, an excellent season. I think he was 16-3 and three mm-hmm. with an earned run average just over two. Uh, f- frankly, the first ten weeks of the season, he, he had out Clayton Kershaw.
3: Yeah, he had, and, you know, uh, he was having trouble, and then he, he wound up picking up the slack, but you don't know how much of Kershaw's back problems led to some of that, but yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, and if you were going to try to save Game Two in that situation when it got to extra innings, I, I, I thought think they Alex had would probably s- would have been the unless you're worried that you can't bring him back and start him in Game Four like you want to.
2: Right, but but you would agree with me, and I think it's important to again note the fact that the Dodgers were the well-rested team, and Kershaw had more than five days rest going into Game One. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah, right. So I just thought it was so perfectly set up for a three-start series with Clayton Kershaw and really taking – grabbing the bull by the horns. And I just thought the move of putting Brandon McCarthy in was just a terrible move.
3: And I think over his last – Four starts, maybe five. You, Darvis was pitching to an ERA of like .88 or something Yeah, like no, that. I mean. that. And, and then he goes out there last night and, and gets yeah. knocked around a little bit because he had no command at all of that slider last oh. night. It was up, it was to the corners, and he just couldn't command it and make it go where he wanted to. And that affected everything else he was trying to do. He gave up the home run to Gurriel and then, uh, you know, some timely hitting by the aster, And, of course, the other thing is they didn't play that great a, a game from a from a, a defensive standpoint. They made two errors yeah. last night. So it wasn't the cleanest game in the world for the Dodgers.
2: No. What did you th- guys think? Uh, I mean, we got to talk about it. The Guriel Ger- <laughs> racist gesture with the slant, slanting his
3: eyes that. out at you, Darvish. Bad form. There's only one person laughing about that. You said that? Uh, <laughs> no. What? <laughs> no. Uh, totally uncalled for. Commissioner's got to address it. He's got to be fined. He's well. He's got to be fined. A, a lot of people are saying he should be suspended for a game. Right. So whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I certainly think he'll be fined. I uh, don't think. I it, don't think because it's the World uh, Series. Yeah, that you've, you you suspend, you'll suspend I, him. You know, I, I yeah, would have you, no you, problem you if you said. Game one
2: next season, you he's suspended. sit out, right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, the the things that Gurriel is a huge part of the Astros offense. He's underrated, but he's been a big oh, part. He's
2: terrific. Yeah,
3: terrific hitter.
2: But yeah. this is the and last. And you think about thing. you
3: think about some of the guys in that lineup who are terrific hitters who have struggled. Yeah. Springer number one up until here recently in the last few games. Reddick. I mean, yeah, awful Redick, Chad series Chad, huh? in the in the LDS. He had just an awful series. And uh, Reddick, again, Reddick's been known to come up with some timely hits uh, during his career. And he just, he was over 23 at a point before he got his first hit in the LDS. So, or I'm sorry, the LCS. uh, You know, so again, it's baseball. It can happen. Guys can get hot. They can get cold. You know, and fortunately for Gurriel. He's uh he's playing pretty well right now. We're
2: going to see if this series is truly destined to be one of the great ones. If it is, the Dodgers will most likely win tonight to set up a series that's got to go six games. If the Astros do win tonight, uh, which I think they stand a fairly decent chance of, um, this series might not get back to, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I I was panicking from a Dodger predictor
3: standpoint as soon as he put Brandon McCarthy in that game. Well, from from that standpoint and what you're talking about, for as well as the Astros have played at home during these playoffs, I could certainly see your point by not getting that back to, not getting the series back to L.A. The other part of that, though, is L.A.'s been a 104-win team uh, throughout the year. All they have to really do to get it back home is win one game. Yeah. So if they can do that over the next two and get it back, even if they're down three to two, you you certainly can't count them out going back to L.A.
2: All right. Uh, We are talking baseball in the batter round. Uh, Our guests, though, would say otherwise. Our first guest today (laughs) joining us in just a couple minutes is going to be the head men's basketball coach, Pat Scarry of the um, Towson Tigers men's basketball team. And, guys, I thought this was a really great move by the NCAA to allow these games. They finally didn't stand in the way of something that makes some sense. I think there's a series of about 20 to 25 of these games. They do not count in your regular season roster, but they are against other Division I teams, and they're essentially a free game, uh, and the fans are not required to buy an expensive ticket or even an inexpensive ticket if you're so desirous of going for free, you can walk in for free. They're asking for a minimum of a $5 donation, and this is going to Hurricane Relief. I think it's a great idea. Kansas and the University of Missouri played in Kansas City, and they raised $2 million. I mean, I would guess that at Towson, if they raise three, dollars $4,000, they'll be happy. Because, you know, it's come about so quickly. There's not money to promote it. Um, so, But we're talking to Pat
3: Scary about that. Well, it's good to see the NCAA allow that to happen. Yeah. Because right now, for example, today Maryland yep. uh, is going to Wake Forest. They're going to have uh, you know a preseason kind of workout right. with both teams. But, I mean, the gym is locked up. Uh, you know, yeah, you'll well, have the coaches there, that kind of thing. So, so, you know, my point is that could certainly serve a team – Couple of teams as yeah. a game that they can participate in for a great cause. Yeah, and, and this is exactly what this is.
2: Well, we've got Pat Scarry on, and he joins us now, the men's basketball coach at Towson University. And Pat, how are you today? Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate on a game day, even though it's not a regular season game. I appreciate you taking the time. You're on with, of course, your your good buddy Stan Charles. And Craig
3: Heist, and, and let me ask you right off the bat before we get into this uh, game for a good cause: Could Stan Charles play for you in any capacity?
4: You know what? He does have a measure of that Towson toughness. I don't know if we'd throw him the ball a lot, but I think he'd get in there on the backwoods and mix it up for I, us. I'd, but be ver-
3: I'd be very good handing out the water. How, how does how does uh, Towson toughness equate to like vertical? <laughs>
4: That's yeah, what I want to know. You know uh, That would be something we'd have to really empirically try to investigate.
2: I used to be a pretty good rebounder back when I could get my feet off the ground. I can't do that. Ask anybody
3: he's ever dated. He rebounded
2: a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey Pat, explain to us a little bit that don't know this. How did this all come about, the fact that you guys are being allowed uh, by the NCAA to play these series of exhibition games throughout the country? over the next Sure, and I days. think there's
4: about uh, 50, 60 of them going on. Uh, historically, we've been allowed to play some combination of two scrimmages slash exhibitions. The scrimmages have to be closed, and then the exhibitions had to be against a non-Division one team. And in the last couple of years, there's been some push to like get an extra one in because we have such a long preseason. So the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches... Uh, put forth this idea about uh, playing an exhibition game as long as no one missed classes and all the proceeds and money go to the hurricane relief victims or um, I, I know out West are doing some stuff for all the wildfire victims out there. Uh, and then the NCAA was good enough to approve it. And that's kind of how it came about. It's only been for about two weeks. So a lot of teams are scrambling. Uh, our athletic administration uh, did an awesome job putting this together and then we're really fortunate that Nathan Davis and a, and a and a really really good Buck Melty, maybe as good a team as we'll see all year, was able to come down and fit their schedule. So it, it's there is no downside to it. You know, we're obviously going to raise some money. I think there's obviously a lot of awareness if you don't know what went on down in Florida or in other places in Puerto Rico, and we're going to raise some money. and Then, you know, uh, it's a great weekend here. Stan is homecoming. We're going to get a big win over Delaware later on today in football. And we yep. get to you know put on the uniforms and play.
3: Pat, let me ask you something, though. Uh, We we saw a lot of people in the sporting world get together and raise money for the hurricane victims, one in particular. When you think about where the World Series is being played in Houston right now with their great football uh, defensive player, J.J. uh, JJ Watt, uh, and the the money he raised, from a a standpoint of the NCAA allowing this to happen, uh, how great a feeling is it to be able to – to be able to help out and make sure that money gets to where it needs to go.
4: Yeah, no, it's great. And, you know, the the NCAA is doing a great thing by allowing this to happen. All our proceeds are going to be a Maryland um, uh, Salvation Army, Uh which is going to be excellent. And, you know, they're going to be around here and doing some advertising and and pumping the thing up. You know, uh, I like to say our our university guys – and our athletic department does a great job with philanthropy and, and community service. It's a big, big point of emphasis for our institution, and I think this is just another good example of it.
2: We're talking with Pat Scarry, men's basketball coach at um, Towson University. His team is going to square off today against Bucknell at 1 o'clock at CQ Arena. And then don't forget, stay stay on board on the campus at 4 o'clock Delaware comes in to play the Towson football team at 4 o'clock at
3: Johnny United Stadium. I was going to ask you this, too. Uh, in terms of your team going forward and getting ready for the season, uh, uh, how optimistic are you? And uh, again, to this project, if you will, Stan was talking about a game that was played between Kansas and Missouri that raised, uh, what, $2 million? $2 million? $2 million. Now, we don't obviously expect that in Towson. But with a with a good crowd, there could be a good amount
4: of money made for this thing. I, I would hope so. That's certainly the, the, the hope of the goal. Um, you know, from a basketball standpoint, obviously, it's, you know, this is a... As we told our guys, we went really hard yesterday, and it's a work day. Well certainly we're going to compete to win, we're going to try to get a look at some different guys, um, but it's also a work day, so we're going to try to get better. It goes up for real in less than two weeks against yeah. a very good old Dominion team, but... But, but that was really good. Uh, they've got all five starters back off a 26-win team that uh, will be an unanimous choice to win the Patriot League again, and they went to the big dance. So, you know, I think for us, the big thing for us was hey, can we, you know, raise some money, and then could we get a really good opponent so that we know, yep, at the end of the day, come March when it really matters, that you know this experience helped us get better.
2: We're talking with Pat Scary. His team takes on Bucknell today at 1 o'clock at CQ Arena again. There is no charge to get into the game. They're asking for a minimum of a $5 donation that's going to go to Hurricane Relief. It, it will go through the Salvation Army, uh, but we know that's going to go to a good cause and help some people. Pat, uh, you mentioned Bucknell returns all their starters. I know you lost a uh, moto uh, – who else have you lost off of your starting team from last
4: year? Well, we had two good front court guys in Modo and, and then uh, Johnny Davis. Who Johnny are, Davis, are that's all-time right. All-time Towson favorites. But uh, we do bring back nine guys that played a lot, uh, that all played double-figure minutes the last half of the season. So this is the deepest group we've had. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it's an ultra-competitive group. Um, all the nine guys coming back have gotten better. I think for us as coaches the big the big calling cry is sacrifice because when you get better human nature is that you want more individually and you know, we're at a team sport so it's going to be different guys on different nights we're going to win and hopefully win the way we want to win based on our depth Well, in terms of, oh I'm sorry go ahead Bonds Bonds has got a
3: question for you
1: Yeah coach um this senior class is quite a special senior class with guys like Marcel, Brian Starr, Eddie Keith. But I do want to talk about the freshmen from last season who are now sophomores and how important it is for guys like Zane Martin, for guys like Dennis Tunstall, who can be hard to post up against in the paint. How big is it for them, Justin Gorm, to improve on their second year and really bring a bright future to a team that's already had a lot of success?
4: Good question. Well, that, that's a great question. That ties into a lot of our, our our sacrifice because all three of those freshmen played a lot of minutes last year, and all three of them have made a major, major jump. Um, and, you know, uh, Zane is playing best on our team right now, and Justin's playing the best in the front row, so hopefully that continues. And Dennis is a guy that we have incredible trust in to finish games, so... Uh we have very good seniors, but we've had we've had some new guys I mean you know, some guys that after the freshman year, have made a big big job so that's that's like it's a good problem to have a coach's standpoint, but we've got to make sure that you know that that sacrifice piece is is big in everybody's mind and this is this is a group that wants to win, um, not that all teams don't, but they like I said they're, they're they're uber competitive, and that's something that we like
2: Pat before we let you go uh, th- teaming up on Bonza's question, so what kind of freshman class do you have this year to, to really build this thing out a little bit?
4: Yep, and that's, you know, I can feel like our program's in the healthiest place it's been, um, top to bottom personnel-wise. We brought in three freshmen who are all, all perimeter players, good players, They're Travis Ingram, who played on a Baltimore AAU team who's from the Norfolk area, Clinton Drayton from Bowie High School, and uh, a point guard out of Fort Lauderdale named Jeff Proffitt. All three uh, are going to be good. They're just behind some guys right now. You know, my hope is I think one of them ends up getting into rotation, and then, you know, you hope a couple of the other guys, when a couple of these seniors graduate, have have some experience under their belt. and, And as we turn the page and we still have other guys coming back, but then they can can
2: make a major impact. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing what the team looks like today at 1 o'clock. Again, unique uh, exhibition game uh, allowed by the NCAA, and the money goes to a good cause, hurricane relief through the Salvation Army. Uh, The folks from Salvation Army will be there to take your donations uh, before you enter CQ Arena. Game time, 1 o'clock, and then plan to stay on campus for 4 o'clock game, the homecoming game, Delaware Blue Hens versus the Towson Tigers in football at 4 o'clock at United Stadium. I'll see you out there today, Coach. Thank you very much for spending a few minutes with us.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on. I apologize if I'm breathing a little heavy. I'm on the bike right now. I'm trying to get ready to rebound against you, Stan, in case you're uh, getting my eligibility left. Okay.
3: I would just suggest taking a walk around the gym, Coach. (laughs) Eat a hot dog and grab and and
2: take a quick walk. That's enough to beat me. Thanks, Coach. We'll see you out there today. All right. Take care. All right. There you go. (laughs) Got to get the little digs in. Yeah, well, wherever you can. All right. We're going to quickly turn turn our attention to the Baltimore Orioles. And, uh, by the way, where were you at about 735 this morning? Uh, I was in bed. Yeah, I was on my way down to the 5K uh, trick or trot. Walk, okay, yeah. One, f- 5K one mile run, 5K run. See Buck and Angela? I'm saw they? Buck and Angela. Good, how are they doing? They're doing good. Good, they're Did doing they? good. And they had uh, well over a thousand people out there for Kids Peace. Uh, a lot of great costumes out there. I understand our first well, you, yor- y- you, you went as you were, right? As yeah. I am. Uh-huh. yeah. To stand the fan. Hey, I Rock Yeah, stand-
3: was the he best look. Outdid himself today. Uh, he dressed as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Okay, along with his girlfriend, who is in costume. Right, and and is the only Wonder Where Woman. Exactly, did she go as? I, I saw you know the what? Picture. I don't know what the. I'd have she to looks look like at the she picture went as the pilgrim. My, something. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. I it, it's hard for me to imagine Wonder Woman with a tattoo on your bicep. Right, but. Right. There, there right. she was she this was.
2: morning. And what
3: did Dave Ginsburg uh, tweet out? <laughs> Turn in your man card at Gate <laughs> day. All right. And I followed that up with without parking
2: passes either. <laughs> now speaking of walking, I my cousin Ron Mats and I we walk each year. I'm mm-hmm. wondering why our next guest, Rich Dubroff, who is an avid walker for uh, yeah for exercise, Rich Dubroff who covers the Orioles for Press Box and pressboxonline.com rich what do we have to do to get you out there even not in costume
5: well we have to um you know I have to prepare for the show an excellent well we can get you
2: on next year a little later on the show <laughs> how are you rich I uh, am great
5: how are you guys
2: we're good we're doing good we've been uh, beating up Dave Roberts because he's behind in the World Series so before we turn our attention to the Orioles, just as a avid baseball fan, um, what did you think of the decision to put Brandon McCarthy in the other night it was well I, I think the whole
5: um, I, I think you know his whole series of moves yep. seemed um, seemed dizzying to me yep. I mean it was and, it, and they were pretty dizzying you know they were pretty dizzying last night um you know i was I was thinking when I was watching them. I bet this guy doesn't have a long shelf life as a manager. Who robbed? You know? Yeah, I mean, it seems like well, you know, this stuff's gonna this stuff's gonna work for a short period of time. And I know you manage differently in the regular season, than you do in the um, in the series. Yeah. You know, in in the postseason. But uh, I, uh, you know, I, I was just kind of you know sort of shocked to see to See how it all unfolded the other night, uh, taking out Rich Hill, you know, taking out Rich Hill so early. But, that you know, was, I, I was, that was problem focusing.
2: number one, and then as good as Morrow, and then everything, been, you know, and then, then he just, was basically left with yeah. Brandon McCarthy, yeah. And and you're left though with Alex Wood, and you're left with the concept that hey, Clayton Kershaw had extra rest going into game one, he only threw 83 pitches. If there's ever been a guy ready to pitch, early in a series or in the middle of the series at a pivotal moment, I think Kershaw could have given them easily five or six innings in game four tonight uh, had Wood gone in and pitched three or
5: four innings and they
2: win that game
5: the other night. Well, you know, it's interesting because Wood, um, you know, I – you know in in watching the the telecast you know the Dodgers are not a team as you know that I see a whole lot right. you know you see some of them but you know it's sort of everybody started talking about oh well you know the the Do- the Dodgers bullpen was basically untouchable um and that's uh you know and that's hardly been the you know that's hardly been the case you know I went and I looked up uh you know yesterday there. You know, the regular season numbers. And, you know, they're very good, but they're not, you know, they're not untouchable. Um, I don't know where, you know, I don't know basically where that that came from. I mean, Strickling and, you know, Strickling and Fields and, and Morrow and Tony Watson, they're all, you know, you know, perfectly fine relievers. And Jansen is, you know, one of the best. But, you know, asking Jansen to go as long as he did, it just seemed like, asking for trouble. But yeah. on the other hand, the thing that impressed me the thing that's that's kind of changed here is there always used to be a a sort of uh feeling that, you know, you could leave a fifth starter off your roster mm-hmm. in the in the World Series. You got four starters and you got your relievers. Now what AJ Hinch has been doing is using that extra starter. You know, whether it's you know, McCullers or Brad Peacock, yeah, in long relief to save, you know, to save the bullpen, yeah. And the and then you know a lot of people. It's would interesting that I, sp- I
2: would just differ with how you're describing it. I would say he's doing it to avoid certain members of his bullpen or lessen his reliance on an un. An un, uh, you know, uh, a, a tough bullpen right now. Well,
3: Giles, especially. Uh, yeah. I I think right now there's not a lot of trust in him. If you're AJ Hinch, and well, boy, you got to give and you got to give Peacock not, all the
2: credit in the world. And last Devansky night. did not pitch well in August and September. Yeah. Right. And they're hard, and
3: they're
5: not using Gre- And they're not using Luke Gregerson, who's yeah. you know. A really good reliever, but you know, still a lot of managers. When you got to the ninth inning last night, would have gone to their closer. Would, would have gone to your would have gone to your closer. Now, of course, you know it was like with McCullers and, and Peacock. You were using two starters yep. yesterday, so Peacock is basically done until game six. If they, you know, it, it, you know, if the Astros don't win both tonight and and tomorrow night, uh, but it's just fascinating watching watching it, and I, you know, and. As I said, dizzying to me seems to be the the right word with uh, with Roberts. And also, you know, I was looking at Alex's, and, and you know, Joe Buck and John Smoltz were talking last night. Oh, well, you know, it's not likely that that uh, that Alex Wood would pitch very deep in the season. And I was looking, and you know, he averaged more than six innings a start. And what was he,
4: sixteen and three? Sixteen yeah. and
2: three with I think a two point one three
5: ERA. That's pretty good. Size. Yeah, but but again, so, you know, the, maybe
6: the, uh, maybe you let him you know maybe you let him pitch
5: beyond just um, you know twice through the order.
2: The the head scratcher again for me is, and don't get me wrong, I I like the depth that the Dodgers are able to afford, but with a payroll over two hundred million dollars to to have to go to Brandon McCarthy in that situation where all the momentum on in the game had been seized by the Dodgers, you know.
5: Yeah, it, it's just so strange. Everything was so strange, and especially Culberson acting as if he, you know, as if yeah. he won the game yeah. when he just put them within, you know, within one, one run. run. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. fascinating World Series.
3: The other thing that's killed the Dodgers right now is only getting an inning and two thirds out of you Darvish last night, and that forced Dave Roberts to use everybody yeah, in Maeda the bullpen. Right.
2: used him up in a game that he really it, didn't they, have a great
5: chance to win. Yeah, but you know, the, but but the, you know, the thing is they only gave up. Was it one earn, one mm-hmm. unearned yeah. run?
2: Yeah, you know, that's true. Perfect. But I'm, I'm just but, talking. I mean, the from bullpen
5: a... did, The bullpen, you know, the bullpen did its job. And you know, unlike the regular season, you can't go, you know, replace guys on the roster.
3: Well, that's true. Uh, but I'm not. And I'm not talking about they didn't do their job. I'm just talking about from a workload, yeah. right? And sure. a lot of. That's a lot of innings in a game to have to cover. When when you know now that you've almost yeah, you're in the middle of three use, games. Yeah. You're in the middle of three games, and you've got to win one of the next two to keep the series alive. Right. Well, he thought that
5: he thought that with um he thought that with the Houston bullpen if he did, you know if he went to the bull, if he went his own bullpen if he with Houston's bullpen being you know kind of shaky then you know the Dodgers maybe could score a bunch of, you know could score a bunch of runs and they could hold them so you know you don't obviously you guys know that in in the um you know in the postseason you don't live to fight another day it's not like the regular season So, uh, just overall, just a fascinating, fascinating World Series.
2: Yeah, it really has been. Listen, I don't want to get too deep into Joe Girardi because we've got Susan Waldman. Your friend Susan Waldman is going to join us at 1135. But just the – Craig and I were talking before the show. John Farrell gets his team to the playoffs. They win the division. He's gone. Dusty Baker gets within a game of the World Series. He's gone. And and Joe Girardi gets his team within a game after a shocking comeback from down 0-2 to the Indians, gets his team within one game of the World Series, and he's gone. Your thoughts on uh, all the managerial machinations that are going on and, and sort of is there some kind of sea change in what teams are looking for
5: out of their manager? Well, it certainly seems that there is a sea change. But, you know, during the season, there were not. A, there was not a single managerial change. Yeah. At, at all. And then, you know, there only been there've only been what five and three. You know, uh, two of them. Two of them. Uh, or three or six. Three of them from teams that sort of were expected or not a huge surprise. I mean, I know the Phillies. Um, the Said Phillies. that Chief McCannon was going to continue. Right. And had extended him, but there was a team that you know with a bad record, and the Tigers you know, were a team with a, you know, Tigers were were a team with a bad record. So, and And the 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 Mets Mets. were a a disappointment. So those were not necessarily, you know, shocking moves. Uh, But, you know, to have three of uh, the postseason teams and three of the eight final, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, three of the, you know, the eight eight finalists there uh, is kind of a... it is kind of, is kind of interesting, and you you look at all of them, and they all have obviously, you know, different reasons. But I guess in Girardi's case, and I know Susan will uh, expound on it, it seemed like you know he sort of uh, they sort of felt his shelf life yep. was uh, you know had expired. I mean, I th- I think you know had I had I had a vote for manager of the year, Girardi would have been second behind Paul Molitor
7: Mm
5: -hmm. um, this year. I I thought he did a superb job last year when they, you know, when they turned over the club, keeping them much more competitive than anyone thought they would. And sort of, you know, getting them into the postseason, maybe a year ahead of time um, this year. So it was really, um, you know, it was really a shock. And I've read all all kinds of things about how Joe and, and Brian Cashman, didn't get, um, you know, uh, hadn't gotten along very well recently, which gee, I haven't heard. Iman-
2: uh, gee, imagine a general manager or a vice president well, of baseball and a manager not getting along. It happens all the time. And,
5: you know, just in any, you know, in friendships and business relationships, they're, yep. they're shelf lives. It's yep. not just, you know, people get... People get
2: tired of each other. As a uh, tangent to, to all this has been an incredible change in pitching coaches, and now we're seeing yeah. some of these guys land. Mike Maddox is a very good fit, I think, in St. Louis. I thought he would have been a great choice here. Um, it looks like Chris Basio has been hired by the Tigers. Carl Willis goes to the Indians who lost Mickey Calloway. And, of course, it looks like the Cubs are about to sign Jim Hickey and Brian Butterfield to their staff, with Hickey being the uh, pitching coach, which I think lends a lot to Alex Cobb going ultimately to the Cubs.
3: And Hickey also has a relationship with
5: with Joe Madden too. Yes, so. of course. Yeah, yeah very. In, yeah, very, very. I mean, very interesting. And and you know, the most highly paid pitching coach of all, Dave Ragetti, right, um, was uh, moved from uh, from the dugout to a. Uh, you know to an advisory role so he could uh you know he could be uh possibly available uh to to uh for you know for a team looking for a, a pitching uh, pitching coach and of course you know in the Mets and the the Mets and the Phillies um changed their uh you know changed their pitching coaches too with the uh with a change in uh with a change in managers so yeah it, it that it, that's been uh that's been real that's been really fascinating as well uh, and, you know, and the Orioles, uh, things are
2: very quiet with the Orioles. So. Yeah, it's uh, like crickets with the Orioles <laughs> right now. And, uh, you know, um, rumors abound that the, the relationship between general manager or vice president of baseball ops and manager is not mm-hmm. really as solid as it's been over the years. Uh, have you have you been able to read the tea leaves of, about where they are, for example, in the coaching staff, Rich? Uh
5: it looks like you know, I I have heard you know, I I've heard very, very little because uh I think that it's you know, I I, I think that, you know, as I like to say, it's under process. Yep. But um I think with uh, it, it would be interesting because if they had decided to change coaches, well, they probably should have done it by now in order to, to try and get some of these uh other candidates and also allow their coaches to uh to go out and uh you know and go out and seek other uh, other jobs. So maybe you know maybe there maybe the coaching staff is going to be a status quo. Uh I you know I don't know. But uh it would be uh you know that's one of the main that's one of the uh the many uh you know the the many stories that that's there and and you know not uh, not an insignificant one.
3: Rich what's your take on and Stan touched on it in terms of the managers who have been fired, successful managers that have been fired, and the management's decision to do this, and maybe replacing them with uh, more analytic guys, more saber matrix guys. That uh, you except know, except
2: in the case of the Tigers, they went to like sort of an old right an old an guy, old you know, guy an old in, in, in old Ron Gardenhire.
3: But what's your take on? on what you've been reading about that and, and yeah, you know, are
2: we seeing a sea change in the types of yeah. people that will be in dugouts in this, yes, in the because near future? You've seen a sea,
5: yes, because generally you've seen a sea change in the kind of people who are the general managers who are hired mm-hmm. for the most, for the most part, uh, Boston and Detroit necessarily, you know, are sort of, um, you know, are sort of exceptions, but in, uh, Philadelphia, they've gone heavily into, uh, you know, they've gone heavily now uh, into analytics. And, you know, and I think, you know, younger general managers are probably going to hire younger, you know, younger managers. Um, And, of course, there's always going to be a place for for people like, to me, you know, if I were hiring uh, for, you know, excellent managers like Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter, um, uh, who, uh, you know, who may not, Uh, be necessarily type uh, you know typecast as uh, as the best as you know sort of the best fit for now but you know in Buck's case Buck looks at analytics I mean he may you know he may sort of scoff make jokes about um, analytics but he looks at them I mean he looks at them as a tool to aid what he already sees um, on the field but you know look at the Astros they're heavily into analytics and would analytics have told you last night that, uh, that Brad B. Cox Ucox, would
3: stay four innings? Yeah, or three? three would, you're right. Well, so, and we uh, we opened the show with that today, and I told Stan. I said, you know, analytics be damned. Uh, AJ Hinch went with what he was
5: seeing, and correct.
3: So you
5: know, for the best for the best managers, it is an um, is an important tool. tool, right? And the game is still, you know, the game is obviously still played on the field. They are not as some field managers are not as some like to think of them these days. Middle managers. There's a lot to be said for having younger managers who can communicate with, with younger players. players but, yeah, you know, but uh, but Dusty Baker, you know, uh, as you well know, Craig, I thought did a, a you know an excellent job from what I saw in communicating with with players. There are a lot of you know 45 year old managers who aren't great communicators either. Right. So, well, uh,
3: Dusty's strength to me this year was uh, when you talk about communication with younger players, guys who had to fill in for veterans who got hurt and did just a remarkable job, whether it was a good Michael win, Taylor, whether it was Michael yeah. Taylor, and then Taylor got hurt, and then it was, uh, you, you know, uh, you uh, wind up again, Wilmer Defoe at shortstop for, for uh, Trey Turner. Uh, there was a lot of things that Dusty did well this year. There's no question.
5: Yeah, and it's just going to be interesting. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see who the you know who the Nationals end up with, whether it's Dave you know Dave Martinez or you know or if it's John Farrell who they interviewed yesterday, or you know, uh, and it would seem unlikely from the way they operate, obviously, that they'd um, spend big bucks on on Joe Girardi, you know on on Joe Girardi. Yeah, but it, it's just interesting to see how um, you know. How these things, uh, how these uh, jobs are being filled, and then, and then of course you mentioned Gardenhire, who now says that he'll, you know, that he that he's more open to uh, yeah. analytics after his uh, his year in Arizona. But he's where, also, uh, but he's also
2: live. he's also been hired by kind of an old school guy in in right. Villa, you know, who right. probably isn't as heavy into analytics as some others. Rich, you know, you
5: know, there, there's so many different ways to win. You know, there's not yeah. just one. There's not just one way to win. Yep.
2: Yeah. So, well, it's I mean, interesting.
5: Everybody, co- everybody seems to copy what uh, you know what what goes what goes on, but it's still you know what you need to what you need to win never changes. So.
2: It's interesting the the Michael Lewis book and then the subsequent movie from it, Moneyball. I think what we're really seeing these arguments between Cashman. Uh, Cashman and Girardi, and maybe in here in Baltimore between Buck a little bit and Duquette and his his cadre of uh, analytics people, it's kind of that that uh, Art Hal, Billy Bean uh, argument that they had over playing uh, what Scott Hatterberg. You know, it really is. Uh, we're seeing that played out more and more now, where those analytics leaning people are going to get their way. Most of the time
5: yeah, well, you know, because that's who you if you work for someone, your boss um, your boss uh, gets to make the gets to make most of the decisions, the big decisions
2: <laughs> how true that is yeah <laughs> well we'll see uh, last thing before we let you go. Uh, you wrote a piece this week uh, and it 's near and dear to me is that and i 'm s- astounded that the response I'm getting when I posted your piece about R.A. Dickey and whether or not there's a fit here is people are kind of laughing at oh that would be the typical Orioles move as if we're suggesting that this is the Oriole equivalent assigning Max Scherzer or something like that. We're, we're merely throwing this out as an idea that would be a guy that you'd immediately check off and go okay we got Bundy, Gosman, and Dickey, now we can dig down and get two guys, you know. These guys don't grow on trees. These starting well, pitchers.
5: You know, yeah. you know, it's going to be filling the, the the starting pitching halls are going to be very, very difficult yeah. for the Orioles. And that's why and, I know, think this is a low-hanging move that could be made. Well, I don't even know how low-hanging it is because yeah. I think that there's going to be a lot. I think that there's going to be, competition. be yeah. a lot of competition for them. And the Orioles... Have not been uh, a team that has done well in the free agent market when there's a lot of competition. Yeah. you know when there is a when, when there is an isolated when there is an isolated market and they've decided that uh, a player can help them, then they have done well. But when there are a number of teams, uh, and, and there are other factors here besides there are other factors here uh, with Dickey besides money geography. Is important to him, uh, and you know, so I, I think that you know it's an idea. You know it, it's an idea, and it's a good. You know I I, I think I, it's a perfectly reasonable I ran uh, by, idea. I ran it. I ran it, but by, it's going to be but... hard for them to get. You know a bigger. It's going to be hard for them to sign one of these bigger names like Lance Lynn or or, or Alex Cobb right. or. Um, or Jason Vargas. That's going to be really hard.
2: Yeah, which is, which is the reason I thought that if they move fast and use the personal relationship that Buck has. I talked to Buck yesterday at the sign-in for the uh, kids' peace run today, run and walk, and he just he said, look, I'd love to have him, and I think he'd really seriously consider coming here, but these guys want to pitch in the National League. He says it's just a you know their numbers are going to be a lot different in the National League. Although, as you pointed out, I think he has a pretty good record at pitching at Camden
5: Yards. Dickie. He does. He you know yeah he does, and most of it was uh, was with a, a you know a good team in the, uh in, in Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. So, and the fact that he only gave up three home runs and I think in forty four innings, which for a ballpark like this one is certainly laudable. But, you know, it's not something I, I think they're gonna have to cast a really, really wide net. Um they're gonna have to look at lots and lots of uh of these starters and, and you know, see how many will consider coming to the the, the American league. Yep. All uh right. you know, Doug Fister uh wasn't one who uh you know wasn't one who was eager to come. So it's gonna be very it's gonna be very, very hard Stan.
2: All right. Rich Dubroff will be covering it for us on PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. We appreciate your taking some time out, Rich.
5: Okay, my pleasure. Thank you, Stan. All right. Thank you, Craig. See ya. All right, there you go,
2: Rich Dubroff. We're going to take a timeout when we get back. I know we're going to have Bill Latson on at about 11.05, so Somewhere in there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll just uh, chat a little baseball and talk about some of these moves and where the Orioles might be able to try to make some hay of fixing this pitching staff. We'll be back with more of the bat around after these words.
8: Great news! Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square has a brand new catering delivery truck. Order your next office party planner from Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square and Steve and his crew will bring your chicken piping hot in the all-new Chick-fil-A delivery van. You'll salivate when you see it pull up. Office party, birthday celebration, family gathering, Chick-fil-A catering ensures fast, scrumptious, fresh food with everything you need included. Order using your Chick-fil-A app or call Steve right now and tell him what you need when and for how many. They can feed hundreds. Remember Chick-fil-A now offers breakfast too so they can cater your morning meeting including hot, rich coffee. And it all comes in the brand new Chick-fil-A delivery van. That's Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard or give them a call 410-931-0031 The ParXL Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call
0: 1-877-617-8839. Call now. For the rest of October, Full Circle Tire and Auto continues their Breaks for Breasts campaign. During October, Full Circle is offering free brake pads. For every brake service performed at the shop, customers will receive their brake pads free. You just pay for the labor and other parts that may be needed. Full Circle will donate 10% of that brake service to the Cleveland Clinic Breast Cancer Vaccine Research Fund. Find out more by calling 410-366-CARS. That's 410-366-2277. Or visit FullCircleTireAndAuto.com.
4: KZ, Sari, the NFL Chick, KO from the Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon.
9: And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports.
4: We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football
6: no no we don't we
4: don't no never no yeah, not really. tennis no nope. rugby nope no just no, football just NFL football. football college college football. football every Sunday morning 10 a.m to noon press box fantasy and reality
8: football show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Sandra McKee profiles Dr. Leanne Curl, not only the first female team orthopedic in the NFL, but also a huge part of everything the Ravens do. Also, 10 questions with Ravens kicker Justin Tucker and more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
3: Welcome back to the bat Around, Craig Heist, Dan, the fan, Charles. And you need me, what, next week? Is that the idea? Yeah, I'm not going to be here next week. Are you here? Because uh,
2: have... the only other alternative is the Bonza Tooth bat well, That is round well, well, then that, one of us should be. That, that is not an option. <laughs> Why isn't that an option? That You'd, be You'd, You'd be, be
3: perfectly capable. The
1: ratings would go down.
3: What rating? They can't, I mean, <laughs> they, they can't go down. They can't go down. <laughs> uh uh, that's why I'm trusting you the,
2: the, 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 with the keys to the car.
3: And that would be the fourth, correct? That is the fourth. You uh, looking good? You looking good? I'm, I'm thinking that's a good possibility,
2: yeah. All right. Hey, i got to ask you, you were not at the Raven game. I was. You were at the Absolutely. Raven game. Absolutely. In the press box? Absolutely. Did you make a few bucks? Uh, yeah, When Good. when don't I When, uh, when don't you <laughs> uh, Your thoughts on uh, First of all, I had no idea how the Ravens were favored going into that game Well, I uh, could see why I, they were I, I mean, I could see everybody's rationale But the team I had seen But I don't want to even talk about that The Ravens played a, a terrific game Their defense was back a little bit They got some help by Matt Moore Did not play particularly well but I'm talking about the play in which Flacco was hurt. Mm-hmm. How was that
3: guy not thrown out of the game? Well, I, I think he got the proper. Uh, I think he got the proper penalty in terms of the 15 yard and the, and the unsportsmanlike and right. hitting the guy late. Uh, however, I. You don't it t- think it me, warranted n- being thrown n- out, n- out of the, the game? No, I didn't think it warranted being thrown out of the game. What what I have a problem with, and, and again, I'm very old school yeah. when it comes in, I get the idea that the league is trying to make the game as safe as it possibly can, but it's football. It's a violent sport, and if you're Joe Flacco and you're running the way he was running, and yes, he went into the slide. Right. It was a late it's, slide. It's a little, late, bit. little bit of a late slide, but you, you know, if you're a defensive back, you're, and you're going full bore. Mm-hmm. You, you're not going to be able to stop. I'm sorry. You just you you're asking to now. Can you do certain? If you see that guy slide, if you see Flacco slide, certain ways can you, you can hop over, the pun- over him? Yeah, yeah there's
2: certain ways to pull the punch.
3: You know that guy went in right. really. But what I had the biggest problem with was the fact that when he went in, he, he could see the shoulder come up and and go for the That's what head. I'm talking That's about. what I have a problem with. Yeah, but again. Officials see that, and the game is moving fast. Okay, and I I understand why it's not called. So he didn't get thrown out. Is he suspended? I think if the league looks at it, he'll probably. I think he probably gets a suspension. Yes. The the problem
1: is that this is not the first time this has happened this season, where a person's been hit in the head and not been ejected. When Devontae Adams got hit in the Packers game. And he was concussed he didn't the i forgot who hit him um, yeah he didn't yeah. get ejected either and i think that was a more brutal hit yeah than the flacco situation and it's just it's not a good look for the nfl right now because of what they're trying to do not having these ejections seems contradictory and people are saying the nfl should put in a targeting policy like they have in college football where they can throw the flag call targeting review the play like they do in NCAA, and then come up with a final verdict.
2: Yeah, and I thought that that guy deserved to be thrown out of the game. Again, I thought he had—I grant you that it was a late slide, but his his jumping in was a tiny bit late, too— and then with the extra the uh, the shoulder and elbow
3: into the neck area. I always I always get a kick out of Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, on, on ESPN because what do he whenever, whenever do? he gets together with Tim Kirch and, Right. And he, they they yeah, always they talk do the about Baltimore. Stuff. Right. He <laughs> said, can you imagine <laughs> if Joe Flacco? No, but can you imagine if Kiko Alonso played <laughs> for the Ori- <laughs> I mean, played for the Ravens. <laughs> That's right. And hit Joe Flacco. That's right. In practice. <laughs> so, so, the other yeah. night we had Kiko Alonso <laughs> hitting Joe Flacco. <laughs>
6: That's
3: right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I you, you could you could make the argument you feel like he should have been thrown out of the game. But again, with the way we see it, until they slow the play down, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, the officials are looking at that in real time, mm-hmm. so it's really kind of a tough thing for me to say he should have been thrown out. Now, having said that. And everything's over and done with. I think the legal look at it and say you're yeah. probably suspended the game. Again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the rate now. Look, I'm not a doctor, and I
2: didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm not a neurologist. Don't know how to examine for that. But I think with the buy coming up after next Sunday's game, you'd have 10 days, and then another week. You'd have nearly 17, 18 days. I think that's the way I would go. I would have Flacco sit out the Tennessee game.
3: You'd have no chance of winning that Tennessee game if I, Ryan Mallett's your quarterback. I understand that. I understand that. But uh, well, if you know, if you're the Ravens, you're four and four. Right. You know what your schedule's like the rest of the way. What are you trying to? do? Are you trying to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs? I'm still? trying to keep Joe
2: Flacco as close to lessen the potential for you know that's I, what I, happens. And, I, I, and you I get, get a back to back. That's a team You decision. get a back to back concussion. Then you're talking about maybe Flacco
3: deciding not to play next year. But or he, at all. But if he goes yeah. through the protocol all this week, and then he, you know, if essentially you have 10 days from the Thursday night game to right. the Sunday. I understand. And if you're clear to play by the doctors, you, I think you play Joe Flacco. And right.
1: Flacco would
2: want to you be right. on yeah, the field. I'm
3: sure Flacco would want to be on the field. And the only way he's not going to play is if he no. hasn't been cleared by the doctors? That's that's the decision. I mean, we've been
2: fortunate with Joe Flacco. This is his tenth season in the National Football League, and I've I've never seen him concussed before. No, no. And it was not a good look. It really wasn't. wasn't a good look. No. Yeah, it looked like he was getting up to say something or something. He put his finger up, and he was, was bloodied up too.
1: Yeah, I think. well, he in the ear. Hit in the,
3: the ear. Yeah. All right. And that's that's the problem I had with the hit was the fact that. Alonso came in and kind of threw his shoulder. Her, and that's what his knocked elbow. the helmet off, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. what knocked the helmet off, right? All right. And that's probably what cut his ear. <laughs> yep. No fair fair about point. It. Yeah. No question about it. Uh
2: This pitching staff, yeah. of the Orioles. Um, we threw out. Uh, I, Rich and I talked about it, and then Rich went ahead and wrote it about the R. A. Dickey thing. You know, Dickey was uh, managed by Buck Showalter. Credits Buck. For being the guy who turned him into a knuckleball pitcher or an all knuckleball pitcher, uh, I think it's a great fit for a one-year and, deal, and
3: that's it. what I think too. I think it's a good fit on a team that desperately needs a starting pitcher other a, than go, under the other than Bundy and Gosman right. at this point to provide innings. Provide innings. Perhaps leadership. Yes. And just be a steadying
2: influence. I'm not suggesting you know, right. that he's going to do what, like I said earlier in the show, signing Max Scherzer or signing Madison Bumgarner or something like that. But those guys, you're hoping that Hunter Harvey and Kevin eventually are those guys and Dylan, but they got to steady this pitching staff and they got to steady it with somebody that's got a, a bit of a. a I won't even call it an upside. I'd say a track record.
3: Well, you mentioned Bumgarner. I think it's safe to say we can keep Dickey off the RVs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, you're now, right. He's going to be 43 years old he's gonna tomorrow. 40, he's going to be 43 years old, but a guy that we saw pitch as yeah. we were growing up, Wilbur Wood, I mean, could easily go this Could long. easily go this I long. mean, I think Dickey could go
2: with a good defensive team behind him. Uh, I think he could go two more years, you know, but I I think he could certainly help them. And to everybody that's been, you know, attacking me on Facebook and Twitter about uh, mostly Facebook saying, oh, yeah, this is a perfect move that Dan will make, you know.
3: That's not my be all and end all move, right? But where where are you going to get three other pitchers? Well, and that's the thing, and it's like Rich says, you know, it's not like these guys are growing on trees, and it's not going to be like they're not going to be in competition with other teams to try to find the best deal for them. Right. We know what the Orioles' situation is like in terms of forking out money for pitchers. They don't like to do it, especially long term deals. So from that standpoint, I would. Uh, you know, is it going to be like a Wade Miley or Baldo menace situation? I mean, I think they obviously totally goofed on the a Baldo menace situation yeah. uh, because you never knew what you were going to get. Uh, Wade Miley is just, you know, it's so funny. I was watching a uh, Diamondbacks Nationals game. Like a replay uh, from replay, your five you know, years, ago, four s- years Classic, years ago. and there was Wade Miley pitching for the Diamondbacks <laughs> in Nats Park and I was like, wow, has it been five years? And yeah, sure. Uh, How although, did he pitch? Well, he's pitching better there than he was for <laughs> <laughs> us this year.
2: Look, I'll tell you, going into September, Rich Dubroff had kind of convinced me that they were going to well, look and seriously. I was, of, I was
3: of the same ilk that, you know, yeah. you got $12 million option, and he, yeah, th- th- they were gonna, they were gonna honor that, and, and then, and then he went in a tailspin and, that was just right. ungodly to watch. I mean, the one, that one game against, I guess it was the Blue Jays, where he didn't make it out of the first inning. Was yeah. that, yeah, or was
2: that the Yankees?
3: Oh, I'm sorry, the Yankees, where he didn't yeah. make it out of the first inning. That was just brutal to watch. You're absolutely right.
2: So, you know what game
3: really was incredibly annoying to me was the
2: Pirates in Baltimore mm-hmm. back in, like, July or something like that. The Pirates were struggling like crazy. Do we have – we got Bill on? Okay. Yeah. And
3: and Miley was just
2: awful against them. I mean, yeah. he had about eight or nine starts that you just couldn't even watch.
3: Yeah, and, and it's tough because, it, you know, they don't like to spend a lot of money for pitching. We know that. But that also makes you say, if if you were to go out and get R. A. Dickey right. to just give you innings, to hopefully he makes thirty starts, yep, uh, and stays healthy, six innings, thirty six starts, one hundred eighty innings, 30, innings. Right. boy, that would yeah, be yeah, that, that G- four point
2: even a four point his ERA this year in the National League was four point two five. Even if it jumps up to four point five, and half, right? right. You, you're you're better off with something like that, right?
3: But, and and again, we're looking for solutions that are. Uh, solution. within the realm of possibility A realm of possibility but also something that fits within what the Orioles like to do and what we know they like to do right, exactly speaking of the realm of possibility
2: joining us right now is MLB.com's very fine writer uh, it is and now podcaster podcaster, newsmakers right? newsmakers. newsmakers newsmakers. podcast is Bill Watson Bill, how are you feeling today?
6: Doing great. How about you guys?
3: I'm doing great. Look, I'm worried about you because I haven't gotten a a text in the last like three or four days telling me to yeah uh, you know go share and like the uh, podcast. So
6: I I was I was wondering what the hell was going on. (laughs) No, no, no. I just took a little break from it, and uh, that's pretty much it. I'll be back next week.
3: Good.
2: All right. We thought maybe you were had been working on that uh, that Joe Girardi podcast, and then it got (laughs) it got burned burned to hell. Um, right. No. We, un, unbeknownst to me, Craig was working on getting you on the show, and then I've got Susan Waldman coming on at eleven thirty-five. So I don't want to burn everything with just talking about Girardi with you, and then doing it again. But were you how surprised were you, or did you kind of see this coming?
6: Well, I was surprised uh, from the Yankee standpoint. Now, um, if you remember when he you know, didn't make that call or ask for a replay against Cleveland. Yeah. You know, a lot of fans were asking for his head. And then, you know, when uh, the Yankees came back uh, to play Cleveland at home, the fans were booing him. So that didn't surprise me from a fan standpoint. It surprised me from a, from a Yankee standpoint because Girardi, I thought, did a good job with the young players. I mean, he proved it with the Marlins, and then he proved it again this year. With this team, so uh, I was very surprised. Oh, along, was, uh, let go.
3: Along those lines, how much of what has been written over the last few days about the relationship between Girardi and Brian Cashman not being a very good one at this point, and how much of that do you
6: think led into that? It had to be the reason. Um, but but then when I read it, it didn't surprise me because he had the same problems with the front office. Right. The different uh, with the front office with the Marlins. Now the difference was, I'm sure Joe Girardi did not curse out um, the Yankee front office like he did with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, it didn't surprise me, and uh, it's going to be interesting who they try to get as a new manager. I mean, I couldn't help but think, man, they should go after Dusty Baker, but I, you know, deep down, they're not going to do that.
3: Yeah, and you know, we we had Rich Dubrov uh, on in the last segment. And I was asking him, how much of this, rightly or wrongly, do you uh, look at it from the teams that have blown out successful managers after this regular season? Whether it's Dusty down here, or whether it's uh, Girardi up in New York, or whether it's John Farrell up in Boston, how much cool. of how much of this do you think is? the organization saying, well, you know, the manager's not all that important. We're, we're looking at more analytical guys and guys who are
6: more into Sabre Matrix. Well, you know, it seems that that seemed to be the case. I mean, I'm not saying Dusty was not into Sabre metrics, but he was old school and he did. You know, like, I can't sit here and say Dusty didn't make any, any mistakes. Mm-hmm. For example, Dusty, I think, made Several mistakes during the postseason. I can't help but think he was let go simply because of what he did in the postseason. I can't believe it's something he did in the regular season. All right, now it's got to be because of the postseason.
3: The other side of that, though, is how much of a factor do you think it is because Harper is up after next year, uh, Murphy is up after next year, Mike Rizzo's contract is up after next year. Uh, to me, I don't think this was, and you and I have discussed this a little bit, I don't think this was necessarily a Mike Rizzo decision. I think it came from above with the learners.
6: You know, you know I've been reading that Mike Rizzo was fighting for Dusty. Um, I mean, I don't know how true that is, but uh, all I know is um, Dusty didn't go past the first round again, and I guess they need a new voice. But, but you know what, the players love Dusty. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't listen to the players.
3: Well, and that's um, and that's one of the things you read. You read some columns about some of the things some of the players had said, and they were a little shocked by this, to say the least.
6: Yes, yes, no question about it. Because compared to what they went through with Matt Williams, it, it's, it's very surprising. And then Dusty, you know, the team was winning. He almost won 200 games with that team in two years. Yeah. yeah. So that that that's why it's shocking to see them. But Baker go, but I I can't help but think it's because of what he did in the postseason. And And you know what, Dusty did make mistakes in the postseason.
3: And that that brings me to my that brings me to my next question. I'll throw it out there for both of you. What do you got to do to keep a job
2: anymore? Well, not get hired by the the learners. learners? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, if you're a manager, that's not a not a particularly great place to go in terms of your longevity.
6: You know, I just think that you have to go to the World Series at least. Yeah. I mean, not even go past the first round. I think that's over now. They want to go to the World Series.
3: Well, and I can see that rationale, but again, if you're... If you're the and I know you and I joke and kid about this all the time with Terry Francona. Terry Francona is a great manager. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. But what are you going to do after what we've seen in in this postseason are you going to fire Terry Francona after blowing a 3-1 no. World Series lead last year no. and then after being up 2-0 to the Yankees needing one game out of 3 to win to go to the LCS and they, and they don't get it done are you going to fire Terry Francona? I'm not. <laughs>
6: No, no, you can't. And, uh, well, you, you know, the difference between Terry Francona and the rest of them is that Terry Francona with Cleveland, not with Boston, but with Cleveland. Yeah, that's true. Went, went far without spending a lot of money. So, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a big difference. And uh, I think you guys think about what they went through before Terry Francona got there. They were a losing ball club. Yep. Then he took over the moment he got there. They started winning, so I think I think the front office in Cleveland realizes what he's done. So That's a big difference,
2: Bill. Uh, one of the things I I kind of find preposterous right now is people that are are trying to to uh, you know follow the dots or connect the dots, and they go, "Oh, Nationals got rid of Dusty Baker. They want to make it to the World Series. Boy, Joe Girardi would be the perfect fit there." Uh, and i've heard some big time broadcasters saying that don't they realize that he's out of the nats price range for managers
6: that you know what on record yes that's true from what we've seen in the, in the last you know since the davy johnson era right but but i think they would it would not surprise me if they made an exception with joe girard and i said i said to somebody last interesting, night
3: interesting i said something to somebody last night bill that we know the nationals do not like to pay for their managers, but it would be just like them to just despite everything and everybody to go out and spend the money to bring Joe Girardi here.
6: Yes, I think they I think they would do that. Now, think about this for a minute. They paid David Johnson four million dollars. Yeah, right. His last year. They did pay him now and rightfully so. Now, I just think that you gotta keep this in mind. Yep. The learners love Joe Girardi. They do because they wanted him to be their manager um, back in 2007. But he turned them down because, basically, they didn't think, he didn't think they were ready to win at that time, which is true. So, I mean, it would not be right, if if they did go to Girardi and say, hey, we'll make an exception and give him the money.
2: Let's face it, they do have the money. It's not like that they're a poor franchise. They just have not typically... Wanted to put big money in that job, but maybe they, maybe they, this one time they'll make the exception because of the track record.
6: Right. He right. would love nothing
2: I, more than to come back and stick it up somebody's, you know what now?
6: Yeah, I mean it was it was very surprising. Um, but the way you know Joe Girardi was crying, you know, towards the end of the season, I, I just think maybe he knew this was coming. I think he knew it was coming
3: could very well be but you know what I, I again he's also got some other options if he wants to he can go back to the midwest take a year off spend time with the family he also can go right back into the broadcast booth which he yep. i thought he was very good when he was doing
6: that Uh-oh. yeah i mean he yeah, he has options there's no question he has options
2: bill we're we're talking about a situation here where there's been six managerial openings a couple of them have been you know uh, fixed already but that means a lot of coaching shifting, and we've talked a little bit about it with Rich Dubroff a little earlier. A lot of pitching coaches moving around what's uh yeah. the, what's the Yankees pitching coach situation with Rothschilds? Will he hang in there and see who's hired?
6: I have to think he's going to be around you think he because, will be around yes, yes, because of his reputation I mean he has a reputation as a as an excellent hitting uh, pitching coach so um I think he's going to be around. Um, you know that was a Yankee hire. Yep. yep. So, so I, I think he's going to be around. There's no doubt in my mind. Does
3: Tony Payne have a shot at getting the Yankee job in your mind?
6: You know, I have to say no. Now let's put this. I think he did a. I did a great job considering what he had with the Royals. He mm-hmm. did a great job. He won Manager of the Year. I like to see him get another chance, but. You know, it depends on how he, you know, he did things with the Yankees. Now, obviously, I haven't been around the Yankees like I have with the Nationals. Right. But this was a guy who was a bench coach with the Yankees. Yep. And then he went to be to being a first base coach. So why that went why that why that went downhill? I have no idea. But uh, I I hope he's given a chance. I mean, uh, he did a great job his first time around with Kansas City. And uh, we'll see what happens.
2: We're talking to Bill Latson. Speaking of Kansas City, I read where they, the, the Atlanta Braves were turned down asking for permission to talk to Dayton Moore. Uh, your thoughts about that? Not a big surprise, I guess.
6: No, no, it's not a big surprise. Well, the reason they went to Dayton Moore is Dayton Moore started his baseball career with them, did a great job you know, when it came to scouting and drafting and all that with them. Are you hearing – uh, go ahead, I'm sorry – Go ahead. Yeah, and, and you know, and he's done a great job in Kansas City. There's no, and they have a great relationship. Yep. And there's no way the owners there are going to let uh, Deed Moore go. They love the guy.
2: So, uh, by the way, what job do you think were they talking about asking for permission to talk to him about a job that would have replaced both Hart and Coppolella? Um, you know, or was it just the general manager's job? I the have a feeling. You 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 think Hart is safe there?
6: Well, based on what people are saying, it seems like it seems like he's not because the scandal, it, this international scandal, happened under his watch. Yeah,
2: right. It sounds so like you, the yeah. tentacles there are pretty deep. Yeah.
6: Yeah, it, they said it's worse than what the Nationals went through with Jim Bowden. So yeah, it is worse than. You just never
3: know. Let me ask you about the World Series, uh, which we're in the midst of right now. Uh, and we're talking about managers again, maybe over-managing in the World Series a little bit. I mean, now the Dodgers do not get a break at all last night with you, Darvish, not able to get out of the second inning. However, it forces uh, Dave Roberts to use all a lot of the guys in the bullpen. And granted, they only allowed a run after that, uh, but there's a lot of innings to eat up there, which could have an effect a downward spiral effect as the series goes on. But I want to go back to the one that Stan was referring to earlier in the show, and that's uh, the whole thing about bringing in McCarthy uh, in the extra inning game after the Dodgers had lost the lead, tied it, lost it again, tied it up again. And at that point, instead of not bringing in Wood, they use McCarthy, and it winds up blowing up in their face. And here Alex Wood is. Now, granted, he's supposed to start – uh, tonight, tonight, tonight. Uh, but yet he. But, but Kershaw seemed if there was ever a time
2: that Kershaw could have been lined up perfectly to go games one, four, and seven. Need if need be, I think if you win game two, you may not need him for game seven.
6: Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you though uh, the, the thing I questioned that Roberts has done is taking out Rich Hill. Rich Hill was doing so well. Yep. And, and, you know, we've seen a trend in the postseason at least that it seems like four innings for a starter is good enough. You know, when I hear, oh, uh, for example, C.C. Sabathie did a great job by pitching uh, four and two-thirds innings. I said, right. Are you kidding me? Right. Right. Are you kidding me? Right. So, I mean, this is a trend now. And it started with Tito Francona, believe it or not. Yeah. Because that's what he did last year, not only in the World Series, but throughout the postseason. Well, it's kind of like no. when you
3: it's kind of like when you write a column the first part of it is really really good and then you know then you, get, you, get, f- the, you f- get, get to you get to well, the right, you get to the middle of <laughs> mhm uh-huh.
2: but he finishes, but he but finishes, he finishes strong, great right yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. That bridge
3: but your your point is well taken with uh, with Rich Hill uh, and also in this series Clayton Kershaw i mean he's done after 5 and there's so much talk about, well, the third time through the lineup, nobody – what a crock of malarkey.
6: Yeah, but but you know what, though? It goes to show you how much they take. If Dave Roberts and anyway, he takes the metric yeah. seriously, it's based on all that.
2: Well, so, uh, my analytics tell me that Kershaw should have been starting tonight with ha- with Wood having come in with all the momentum on the Dodgers' side in Game 2. They went, to me, they win that game. We'll never know that. But they win that. Now we're not so concerned with, uh, you right. know.
3: And, and do you think A.J. Hinch was paying any to, attention to analytics last night when he kept Brad Peacock in the game to come out
6: for that ninth inning? <laughs> no, he was, as, as John Smoltz was saying, John Smoltz said that he was going, A.J. Hinch was going with the eye test.
3: Yeah, Absolutely.
6: So, yeah I, and you know I, let me let me tell you about John sports John spokes what he said yesterday did not surprise me because he's an old school guy yeah he's absolutely. An old school guy to the he's really something else so hey,
2: hey bill I, I have to laugh you know the analytics i i get it i'm sixty five years old i get that it's 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 tomorrow's game is with all the analytics and I know a little bit about it to be conversant in it, but I have to laugh after after McCullers comes in against the Yankees. Apparently, the Houston analytics people did like, did like, took a bow for you know, telling him about the curveballs that the Yankees don't hit curveballs. How's that very different than good scouting? Bill LaJoy would have been able to tell, or Sam Mealy, if they were scouting for the Houston Astros, or Hank Allen. Could have been able to tell them just as easily if McCullers comes in, have them throw 90% curveballs. What do you need analytics for that? Well, the part of that
3: that you're bringing up is one of the reasons why a lot of the Houston Astros' staff, their scouting
2: scouting staff, staff was let go or 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 cut to part time.
3: Yeah.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I agree with you that the, the Astros' front office is like celebrating right now because yeah based on what the analytics tell them yep. and uh, it's too bad they had to let so many people go but you know, I thought the be- timing
2: I thought the timing of that was really really bizarre you're that desperate for money that you've got to let them go in early September of a year where you've got this push to win a World Series
6: I just didn't get it well you know it's not based on just you know, analytics, you know, StatCast is around now. Yeah. And they, they announced they're going to re- rely on StatCast quite a bit now. So, I mean, when you have all that, you know, you know around, I mean, I'm not surprised they did what they did. And I'm, I think you're I'm not surprised more they did it.
2: what they did. Did the timing of it, though, surprise you? What, what was the rush to do it? They could have let these guys get a World Series ring, per, perhaps. Well, and I'm sure they will be given one. But they could have, could have been handled much more sort of a
6: positive, you professionally, know. Professionally, maybe? Professionally, yeah. But the thing about the timing, though, if, if they, let's say they wait after the World Series. Right. I, I mean, it would have been that they have to scramble to look for jobs. Think about that. Yeah. You, you usually teams are, you know, are hiring like yeah. right now. They're
3: not waiting to the World Series. Yeah, they right. they they're, they're they're hiring right after the season yeah, a, a ends. B- a point Best well stretch. taken.
2: A point well taken, Bill Ladson. Yeah. Um so how long let's let's get back to the Yankees for one thing cuz we'll have Susan on in about 10 minutes and we'll get into some details about it too. What do you think their time frame is, though? Do you think this will be fairly quick for both them and the Nationals that within a week of the World Series ending they'll have their new managers?
6: Well, the Nationals, I think, it's going to drag. I mean, that's what they're known for. They let it drag. Okay. And uh, I think with the Yankees, I think, yes, I think the Yankees will make it quick. And because uh, they want to move on to, to the 2018 season and plan.
2: If you had so to I, guess right now, who do you think would have a leg up there? Is it Long, Kevin Long?
6: No, I don't think so because Kevin Long left there. It, it you know it ended badly. Okay. So I mean, so no, I don't see that.
2: Okay. So who's your best guess?
6: I mean, with the Yankees, I don't know because okay. uh, I, I simply I can't I don't want to guess with them because right. it could be a surprise. So I, I don't know. Are
2: you
3: available for the job, Bill? Uh, no, I am not. <laughs> who's, I, your, who's your best guess for the Nationals?
6: Well, I have to say right now, it's uh, Dave Martinez.
9: Mm-hmm. Dave
6: Martinez did a great job in terms of interviewing uh, two years ago before Matt Williams came. He finished second behind Matt Williams. So um, I think it's Dave Martinez right now. But at the same time, It would not surprise me if they went to their pocketbooks and hired Joe Girardi. It's one of those two. All
2: right. right. We greatly appreciate your time, as always, Bill Latson. uh, Hang in there, and we'll uh, talk to you down the road a few weeks, all right? You got it. You take care. Thank you very much. Again, it's MLB.com. Newsmakers. Newsmakers. (laughs) I keep thinking working press. But that's, so uh, he is working. He is right. working press. Yeah. Yeah. If you call it what he does work.
3: Well, it's 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 pretty. You know what? I I would have a tendency <laughs> to say, I would really have a tendency to say that what he's doing now, is probably just as hard for him, as as writing columns yeah. and things and like that and doing gamers on a daily basis. Only from the standpoint of one you're 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 moving from the, the, the print end of it into the broadcasting end of it to a certain degree. Right. But also you have to you, this is a little bit different than just going and getting a player after a game or the manager after the game. You gotta set things up well in advance you to try to sell to
2: get, the you uh, gotta yeah. sell the guy on it. You you know, right. it's different. The whole no thing. No question about it. He All does right. a great job with it though. All right. That's Bill Latson. Right. Okay. Uh, newsmakers on MLB.com. We're going to take a timeout right now. When we get back, we're just a couple minutes away. We'll, we'll uh, buy some time because I don't want to call Susan earlier than necessary. I know she walks her dogs on Saturday morning, but we'll have her in about eight or nine minutes. Susan Waldman of New York Yankees broadcast fame and WFAN uh, fame as well will join us and we'll talk more about this Yankees surprising move of Joe Girardi out as manager of the
0: New York Yankees for the rest of October, Full Circle Tire and Auto continues their Brakes for Breasts campaign. During October, Full Circle is offering free brake pads. For every brake service performed at the shop, customers will receive their brake pads free. You just pay for the labor and other parts that may be needed. Full Circle will donate 10% of that brake service to the Cleveland Clinic Breast Cancer Vaccine Research Fund. Find out more by calling 410-366-CARS. That's 410 366 22 or visit Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years?
7: Well,
1: yeah, 25th anniversary of Cannon Yards. Yeah, we've, we've been, been in Section 336. 336. Well, I
7: mean,
0: technically.
1: Are we? Well, technically we're in 334.
0: No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336.
1: Yeah, like our podcast. That's who we are. We're section three thirty six every Monday
0: night. Every Monday night.
1: Yeah, but you know when we go to the stadium, we tend to sit in three thirty four.
0: But the tickets screwed up. We're just we can touch section three thirty six. I walk past. I say hi to Ryan in section three thirty six.
1: Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do it here on the show. Section three thirty six.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's section three thirty Section three thirty six. That's where we are. Just lie to him. That's Press tough. box. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at pressboxonline.com or by going to iTunes or section336.com.
7: Join us for Jim McKay, Maryland Million Day on Saturday, October 21st at Laurel Park. Come with friends and family to Maryland's Day at the Races. A celebration of Maryland's horses and lots of fun for all ages. First race is at 1215 with 11 exciting races. Don't miss the first annual hat contest. Three categories and wonderful prizes. It will be fun for all at Laurel Park on Saturday, October 21st. For more information, visit MarylandMillion.com or MarylandRacing.com. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great
8: wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, no, podcast. No, no, no,
5: no, Don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, but, podcast. That's, that's Look, just,
7: just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to jobbing out.
8: Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's jobbing out, Glenn Clark, Aaron and Oster and A.J. Francis of the Washington Redskins. He a terp. Every week, we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com.
2: PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash sports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming
8: live now every day at Facebook.com slash sports, video-wise... I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon.
0: Uh, I hear you. I mean, I f- I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps.
8: Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps.
0: I have the chaps that I have.
8: Well, I- <laughs> And I have the toes that I have This is what we do Every day from 10 to noon Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer For Glenn Clark Radio I'm not sure that you'll learn anything I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience For all involved How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com Slash Pressbox Sports
2: All right, we are back with the batter round, and uh, one person has taken the opportunity on our Facebook uh, feed, our Facebook live feed, to throw us some questions, Craig. Uh, any chance, and this is AJ, who's a regular on my postgame uh, uh, feeds that I did mm-hmm. Facebook live, uh, any chance we get CC Sabathia or is he going to Jeter and the Marlins? I think neither I think he ends up staying in New York.
3: I I do too. But you know, it's an interesting thing because we, here we are talking about, uh, you know, R. A. Dickey. Yeah. I think CC could provide the same thing oh, for the Orioles uh, that R. A. Dickey would provide in terms of innings, leadership, things of that nature. I'll take
2: both of them. Yeah. You
3: know, for the for the amount of money. Uh, see, I think CC
2: has probably pitched his way back. Into being maybe a sixteen to eighteen million dollar one year or two, or a year in an option right uh, for the Yankees, uh, I don't think the Orioles would pay him that much. But I think he'd be worth to the Orioles a two year twenty five million dollar or twenty seven five uh, type of deal, wouldn't you? If you're the Orioles,
3: I would think so. And yeah. to me, and that's not out of the realm of possibility right. or the price range. But again, it's not my money,
2: right? So it, it isn't your money. It isn't no, money. it isn't your money. Uh, AJ also asks: um, Is Tony La Russa still a candidate for the Nationals' job? That's news to me. I've not I, heard. I didn't that think I
3: didn't think he was a candidate, and uh, I would have heard something about that if he were. I do know John Farrell interviewed yesterday, right? Uh, and, and again, I I still don't think that would be the way the Nationals go nah, in that situation. I don't, I don't, don't think Farrell. that's a really good fit either, but. Uh, and I'll tell you what's
2: interesting, though, with Farrell is let's just say they went out and hired Dave Martinez. Mm-hmm. Would John Farrell, perhaps, you know, having pro- he probably interviewed very well. I mean, he's, you I'm know, sure he did. Would he be an interesting pitching coach candidate for the new manager?
3: Well, yeah, that's certainly a possibility, yeah. Because uh, to me, and, 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 he's
2: not a manager fit to me. No, but, but
3: if, you, if you're John Farrell and that situation came about... That's a pretty Scherzer, good Scherzer, Strasburg, Tanner Roar, Gio all all in your yeah. lap right away.
2: That's not a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder about that. I have not heard La Russa. I think Dave Martinez is the favorite. I do think that the Girardi thing, the way Bill described and he's familiar with the Lerner family, uh, that that could be an interesting fit for him. And I don't think that Joe, because it wasn't his decision. I don't think he's anxious to sit out a year or two. You know,
3: I don't think the Nationals would go this way, but one of the guys that did interview for the job and thought uh, would get a shot at it after Davey left was his bench coach, Randy Knorr. Yeah. and and you I mentioned
2: that last week. Right. And I thought and he I, was I, an interesting at, candidate. That's an
3: interesting candidate if you're thinking about not – too much money to have to spend on somebody. Right. He would fit the bill. He certainly knows. Still respected knows, in the clubhouse. Certainly respected in the clubhouse. Most of the guys in there uh, he had in the minor leagues, you know, at one point in time. So that would not be a bad fit. All right. Why don't you uh,
2: introduce our next guest? Because I know deep down you wish she was your girlfriend.
3: Well, yeah. Well, she always is, but. She just doesn't know it. <laughs> Susan Waldman from WFAN and the Yankees radio broadcaster uh, joins us on the phone right now. Susan, good morning. How are you?
9: Good morning, guys. And who are you talking about, the Washington managerial thing? Yes, or yes we, were
3: t- we were talking about the Washington job and whether or not
2: Joe Girardi would have any interest in that and would it be mutual
9: well if you if you're asking me I think he's the perfect one, but I think it's a little too soon for to think about that and I did according to Wade Boggs, haven't they already offered um that job to David Martinez? He put out some kind of uh twit tweet a little while ago. Wade Boggs did uh-huh. saying that congratulations to his friend and ex teammate dave martinez um did you know about this? I did not know, and uh yeah, he could be wrong I mean no one's ever uh no one's ever confused him with a reporter well but...
3: we <laughs> <laughs> we we know we know that uh, he is certainly one of the front runners for it and we also know that they interviewed John Farrell yesterday so right uh, again there's a money's a, an issue when it comes to this uh, with the Lerner family and and it was certainly with, with Dusty and, again, it's what do you got to do to keep a job anymore, Sue?
9: <laughs> what do you got to well, do? No, I'll tell you what you have to do, because when I heard the news the other morning about Joe, my whole mind and being flashed back to 1995 for the same reason. And Buck Showalter was fired, and then they went nicey-nice with Joe Torre. And it's almost the same reason, because I remember that, and I don't know, you know, Buck, we, uh, the team lost that fifth game to Seattle in that wild-card series. Uh, and they would have gone to the to the ALCS, and they lost that in 95. And Buck, who had taken the team and rebuilt it and had all these kids, and they were ready to go, and he was the one who brought up Derek Jeter and Posada in 95 because so, he knew they were going to be uh, the, the future. And, and all of a sudden, because he lost that game, he was gone, and they went, quote-unquote, in another direction and in walked Joe Torre. And I see the same thing. I see it back years ago with the Celtics with Bill. Fitch, and in walks Casey Jones. A a different kind of voice where you're going to hear that a lot. And I think that they decided that, uh, like with Buck, he was just a little too intense, and they wanted you know, that they want their own A.J. Hinch, They want their own Dave Roberts. You know, those nicey-nice guys that hug you, but do have that analytical mind and will not fight the front office.
2: So it's interesting, when you were describing that and comparing it to 95, the person that came in to my mind that's nicey nice like Joe Tory is Dusty Baker. But then you threw in the word, you know, somebody, their own Dave Roberts or A.J. Hinch who works with the analytics. You don't see Baker as a fit there, do you at all? No,
9: I don't. Okay. It'll be somebody younger who embraces what they do. I mean, you know, as wonderful, and I dealt a lot with A.J. Hinch, and he's great to be around. Mm-hmm. But don't make no mistake about it. He's got a mind like a steel trap. And when he was in the front office out in wherever it was, San Diego, he was like that. And he was the, one of the first people that I know that really embraced it. He also has a degree in psychology or a master's degree from huh. Stanford or some place like that and so that he has both and that's what they're looking for. Well, yeah, you, know, um, you know how those they Stanford really are.
3: You know how those Stanford guys are. Some guys graduate in three years and become great pitchers. <laughs>
9: <laughs> and you know the only difference between uh, that pitcher's edu- uh, economics degree and mine. We're talking about Mike Messina. <laughs> my first fight was with Mike Messina years ago when he uh, it was sarcastic to me, and Craigie knows this, and I said, listen, don't talk to me like that. The only difference between your economics degree and mine is that my mother had to pay for mine because I, I don't play baseball. <laughs>
3: I'll tell you the great one. The and great. what did he say? <laughs> he
9: laughed. Yeah. And we've been friends forever. I love exactly. Moose.
3: Exactly. And you know what? One of the great stories I heard about him when he first became a, Yan- a Yankee in, in 01, and, you know, Bob Shepard, God rest his soul, goes up to him and says, is it Messina or Mussina? <laughs> and Mike Mike just looked at me and said, I don't care. And Bob went, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, hey, you mentioned Mucina, and that's
2: certainly not the reason we had you on. I still, it grates against me so badly how poorly he's done in Hall of Fame voting. And I looked it up again yesterday. His earn-run average for his career was 369. Six, Glavin's was 3.54 in the National League, and Glavin's ratio was 1.31, Mucina's is 1.19. How is he not a slam-dunk Hall of Famer, Susan?
9: Well, because the people that are voting, and, 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 and Craig and I have gone back and forth on this, too. The reason the, the thing that like broadcasters them. aren't allowed to, to yeah. do this is idiotic, but whatever. Uh, my guess is that they don't take the things that we think are important, uh, besides the fact that Messina, Messina pitched in the American League East for his entire career. Yep. He pitched on teams. He pitched in that bandbox box that you guys call home, yep. and then he came to Yankee Stadium had to deal with everything and they don't look at stuff like that it's all on uh, you gave me some numbers they'll give you numbers that we've never even thought about in our wildest dreams of why he's not i would i would vote for him if i had a voice if yep. i had a voice in this i would because you they don't take those intangibles into account where he was he was always like the number one maybe the number two when he got to new york but always that in the american league east for years i don't i don't understand it i've never understood it well
3: the other the other part about it too for me is that when you win 270 games pitching your whole career in the in the american league east and you're 19th all-time in strikeouts not to mention everything that Stan yeah. mentioned. I, I, I just don't get it and I don't now They I, also
9: have a big thing. I heard this a hundred times, even when he was playing, when he finally got that twentieth win on the last day of the season at Fenway right. I remember just say saying to some writers, Are you happy now? He did it, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Because he never you know, you have to take into account the teams he was on um, who I well we we're we're talking to the choir here, it's yeah. all of us,
2: yeah, we yeah. all are in agreement about that, so Susan, do you have anybody in your mind who fits all those criteria that the Yankees are looking for? Is it as obvious as the no you know the nose on your no, face it's, or
9: it's it? not um and and I've heard different different groups, and um I had thought my first Immediate action was that rem- was that they would go in house with someone like the rising stars in the in the organization, Josh Paul, who managed in mm-hmm. the minor leagues and has been uh, catching coordinator and Sanchez loves him and has has great manager written all over him. He will be a manager some sometime he 's the ex catcher and he's been in this organization for a while now. The other was the ex-pirate um, Jay Bell and Beck of course, who also is managing in the minor leagues. They both have that exactly what they're looking for, but I'm not sure. I'm, I heard yesterday that it wasn't going to be anybody in the organization. I've also heard names like um, Raul Labanus, who, by the way, if that was a choice, I'd pick him up at the airport. Yeah, um, has yeah, it all, great, has yeah. that, and probably is not averse to telling you know the, the, the upstairs people telling them what to do they don't want any problem with this they don't want to have to fight anymore um, the the way the game is changing it's not the game that we see any that we used to see and this is the way it's going and they want someone that will incorporate what they are doing and and have a different relationship um, with the players and you know they want someone that can um, get Gary Sanchez to the next level um, they want someone who can maybe help Aaron judge Greg Bird Those people. Um, this is a different world. This really is. This is. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you heard names like Abanya's, If you heard David Ross's name out there, mm-hmm. um, I'm hearing Pete McKinnon, who does not, who does not. Uh, have any of those qualities except I guess he's pretty good with young guys and I guess he did work with the Yankees uh, in the scouting department for a while and and Cashman likes him a lot and probably would not be averse uh, with the analytics department they don't want any problems anymore That's, that's all I can think of and they want someone that is And I won't say younger because Gerardi's not old, and he's the same age as a Jay Bell and uh, you know those guys that they're talking about. Um, I think it's wide open. I do know that they've got a ten to twelve person list. And they're not going to rush this. You're not going to get anything after the World Series. I wish they, the other coaches um, have been told, an email went out last night evidently to all the clubs, that they could talk to any of their coaches. So you've got some really fine men in there who um, Inclu- don't know whether they're going to be part of this organization or not going forward.
2: Including Larry Rothschild. Yeah.
9: yeah. That, by the way, I'm on record right now. That would be a major mistake. Yeah. major mistake. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see it happening. They're very high on the AAA a guy, Tommy Phelps. I can see it all happening. But... Um as someone with the Cubs organization um, told me a little while ago, they were really sorry that they let Larry Rothschild go. Uh, Larry's terrific, and um, he's helped an awful lot of these guys, and uh, he's the one who made the game plan and everything for, for Houston and for Cleveland and did a fabulous job, and, and they will they will be sorry. But, you know, they got young kids coming up. Maybe yep. they want someone who's worked with them in the minor leagues. I hope Larry is not part of this uh dismissal of everybody
3: susan real quick what how bad was the relationship with joe and cash coming down the stretch
9: i you know i thought it was really bad for until they started winning until they beat cleveland um, what i thought was really telling to me and you know and brian cashman is the general manager and he really believes in all of this and he's the one who put this team together okay this these are his kids they he's developed them he brought them here um, I thought when what was really telling Craig was when he made that mistake and didn't challenge and they lost the game you know, in Cleveland, Right. that game, uh, what I thought was real, when I really went, uh-oh, was that no one from the front office said a word. No oh, one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
9: I didn't hear, well, mistakes happen. And, you know, Joe said he, you know, he, first of all, he gave reasons. And then the next day he said, no, I, I, I made a mistake. And, um, you know, he had tears in his eyes on the, on the podium. Right. And it was uh, that, you know, he was sorry. And then they came back and won the game. And I figured everything was going to be okay. And then they went to Houston and, you know, we're one game away from the World Series. But that's when I thought things were really fractured. You saw things of it during the season. There were times that um, that you knew that there were problems, that there were arguments and things. I don't know, you know, what they were about. I don't think they liked uh, the handling of Sanchez. Um, I think they wanted, you know, it's different than you know when we had uh, when we knew managers who would you know sit 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 down on the bench and and watch. But mm-hmm. now I guess you don't bench people. You have to you know touchy feely, make them feel wanted. You have to coddle them, and I think that's what they're doing. Give them a participation trophy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we never thought a thing about, you know, Casey used to, you know, I know I'm talking years and years ago, you know, he'd pinch hit in the middle of the second inning. Right. And they didn't care. You did what the manager told you. Those days are are gone. And I just wonder if it's not – that they don't appreciate what Joe did because what he did taking a team in transition going through all those farewell tours people that he managed he had to manage A-Rod he had to manage Ichiro he had to manage the end of Posada he had to manage the farewell tour with Jeter with Mariano that's very very difficult to do and he did it all and I think that he did a remarkable job he got them to the point they were one game from the World Series And I think they just sat down and said, going forward, do we want this person for the next three to five years? And I think they thought that this was the time, like they did with Buck. Absolutely, just like what they did with Buck back in 95. They decided that this was the way to go.
2: Speaking of Buck, uh, and I'm not trying to, to, to use your privileged relationship with Buck, how, how happy do you think Buck is right now in his situation here? Uh, it, apparently, he and the general manager are not really close at all. It's gotten I don't worse. know
9: a lot of managers and general managers yeah. that, are, that are that close. They really aren't. I, I don't know a whole lot of those guys unless they're, unless they really were, unless the manager was picked by the general manager. I, I don't see that. And, so, you know, Buck is um, you know, Buck doesn't like losing. I think yeah. that's the thing that's you know, Buck is all about winning and trying to find an edge and what to do. And I think that bothers him more than anything. He's handled George Steinbrenner. He's handled years with all kinds of people and all kinds of nonsense going on. Buck Showalter can handle anything. So, what he doesn't handle well is Losing, so, and I think that's the thing that got him more than anything else.
2: So if tomorrow, the dysfunction was the, the dysfunctional smoke was cleared away, and and he and Dan were both offered three or four year deals extension extensions. Would he accept it?
9: Oh, gee, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't know. Okay. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. that it has anything to do with another person. Okay. That's pretty strong. All right. Let's and if get he back. wanted, if he wanted to manage, he would. You know, you get you get a little tired after yeah. a while, and I think probably that's something that they're not going to have to not going to have to discuss, right?
2: Well, they both are up after this year. Yeah. Dan okay. and Buck are both up after this
9: year. Right. See? Well, let's just say I've known Dukeet a long time too. They're very different people. Yeah, they're very that different. Way. <laughs> Susan, let
3: me ask you this, and you were referring to it uh, in your discussion, but this whole situation with successful managers being fired, like we've seen. And, and teams going in front offices going and wanting to hire managers who are more analytical, more saber matrix friendly, and we know that that's the way the game is going. But then you look at A.J. Hinch last night, who doesn't go to the closer. Doesn't, uh, he leaves Peacock out there for four innings and lets him save this, the game. It was very, very similar to what Bumgarner did against the Royals in the World Series several years ago. Uh, you know, he basically used the eye test as opposed to no, you know, we got to go to our closer here in the ninth inning. Oh, look,
9: I, I watched that Houston team for a long time. And, and we just played those seven games, their bullpen is shot, yeah. including their closer. Now, there's a difference between going against the front office, and, you know, the days are gone. You know, there's no George calling Lou Pennell and saying, Don Sutton is cheating, do something about it. Those days are gone. I think they, they trust A.J. As, as a manager to know what to do in those situations. Jeff now is not saying, you have to go to your closer there. Right. He he isn't. He knows what that. When we were there, when the Yankees played uh, Houston, I was wondering how AJ Hinch was going to get through the game. Yeah, I mean you really were because they're shot. I mean Davinsky is very different than he was before uh, the All Star break, and Colin McHugh had just come back. They didn't know what they were going to get from McCullers, the only steady person they had in there really was Peacock, who really became, after all these years, really a revelation. Ken Giles wasn't good when he played the Yankees. Mm-hmm.
2: The other the other guy that was terrific with him because I know I had him on my fantasy team is Musgrove. when yeah, they Joe moved Musgrove, him to the yeah. bullpen, he was excellent. excellent
9: well, player. he also was hurt. So you yeah. have you have guys coming back that are trying to be careful like that. Uh, Musgrove um, still a thrower, very young. He's going to be really good. And but you know those guys are. I think you can use the eye test. It's not like they say you have to do this, you have to do that. But understanding what they're doing once you get into the dugout, the manager does you know, should be able to do what he, what he wants. But obviously, in the eye test, you want to go the other way. Um, obviously, the Dodgers' sabermetric people have decided that Rich Hill, after the second time around, uh, doesn't get people out. Right. So they took him out in the fourth inning. It came back to haunt them because Maeda didn't get it done. What doesn't get talked about in that is that this is the World Series, and maybe something else kicks in with Rich Hill, biggest yeah. game of his life. Yeah. And they don't take that into account, or they didn't that night. And if Maeda, you know, is great, like he has been the, the other times, then we're not having this conversation. But A.J. evidently has the trust of the people upstairs, Jeff Luno and that whole group, and there's a slew of them. There's a slew of them up there. And um, he has the trust of them that he understands and embraces all the uh, analytics. And Durante did, too, by the way. So I think this is more communication uh, problem. Gerardia was always showing me. No, this is why we did this. Look at this chart.
2: Uh huh. Two, two more quickies before I let you go, and maybe Craig's got one. But uh, we were talking about CC Sabathia. Has he pitched his way back into the Yankees? Uh, you know, being the team to really beat to to pull him away now.
9: I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I, he lives here, and you know, I don't think money's going to be an object with him. He loves it here. He's raising his kids here. And as I said to him a couple of weeks before we were talking about who should be back and I said you can't have everybody on the team being 22. <laughs>
3: well, right. Plus he's overcome a lot of demons yeah. really and yeah. you got to give him all the credit in the world for Well getting also
9: right there's, he, he was if yeah you do give him a lot of credit but he, if he is magic finally ran out on that last game. Yep. But um, other than that game I mean he was 10 and 0 with yeah. after a Yankee lost and he's it doesn't matter how much you've overcome, and how much people respect you, and how much you mean in a clubhouse, if you can't get the job done. And they still think, if they still think that he can get the job done, they would, they could offer him a year or a year and an option or a yeah, year and investing, whatever they do. I think it's a mistake to let him go. Yeah. You do need a leader in there. You really do. Yeah. And you know, I know that Todd Frazier probably won't be back. That's that's tough on both sides because he was very instrumental in a lot of ways and really helped. Um, with the kids really did he was the one who um, was always talking a judge and always talking a bird and always cutting up in there and being a real leader but you know Todd Frazier 31 years old it's the first time he's been a free agent and you know they're not going they're going to get under the cap that's the so the whole thing the Yankees are going to get under that uh 189 to reset for possibly going out and getting somebody big after this
2: year. Susan, my last question for you has to do with Gary Sanchez, and and it shows how old I'm getting. It's got to be 30, 31, 32 years ago was when Earl Weaver came back to manage the Baltimore Orioles after being away for a couple years. I started noticing then that catchers back then, this is mid-'80s, were no longer throwing their masks to the side to receive throws from the outfield. How much of Gary Sanchez's problems, because I saw him four or five times in the postseason not be able to pick up a ball, that, that especially that one key play where he muffed up, um, how much of those problems are simply him being unwilling or untrained to get rid of that helmet mask he has so he can see the ball. I don't think that has
9: anything to do with it. I think he he was playing because he had such a bad year with the pass balls and everything. I think Gary Sanchez was so uptight by the end of the year that balls were clanging off his... I think he saw them. I just think he just was in the wrong position. He doesn't get down enough. If you watch him catching, the balls that go between his legs, Tony Pena, who was a pretty good catcher, and Girardi was a pretty good catcher, too, if you remember, he said They don't get down fast enough. He doesn't get down fast enough. And I don't know whether it's work ethic. I don't know whether it's um, just not responding quickly enough. Um, but I think by the time the end of the year um, came up, Gary Sanchez didn't know whether he was coming or going behind the plate. All I don't right. think it's one specific thing because I think I think Tony Pena would have thought of that.
3: And my last one for you is, uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to go on record and tell you, I think Jose Altuve is the MVP of the American League. Me too. However, yeah. however, I just want to find out from you because the times that he's been to Baltimore, we got a chance to be around him. How much of a pleasure is Aaron Judge to be around
9: um, he's a warmer, more approachable cheater. Uh-huh. You'll never say a wrong thing in 20 years. He knows who he is. He um, is very well grounded. He's a delight. You know, you, you talk to him, and, and I've had um, reporters from other cities say to me, is this kid real? Yeah. And I said, yeah, this his, is real. His folks a guy must from be. The, one of the Toronto papers did an interview with him, and um, at the end of it, Aaron, like, You know, and the guy wrote it like he hated the Yankees. And then he talked to Aaron. And then, evidently, at the end of the interview, Aaron put his hand on his shoulder and said, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. I really apologize. What is it again? (laughs) And and the guy said, No one in 30 years has ever said said to me, What's your name again? I'm sorry, I forgot. Right. That's judges. He's something. He's something really special. That being said, if I had a vote, I would vote for Altuve, too, if nothing else, because of the consistency.
2: He must have, Aaron Judge must have terrific parents. He Uh,
9: he does, indeed. They are around a lot. And um, he's brought up, you know, he's he's a wonderful kid. And that's what I think is like Jeter. I'm not saying he's going to be that kind of guy. But now, by the end of the year, it was Judge. Um, who led the team out on the field um, for 20 years. We had Derek Jeter doing it. And when Jeter retired, it was sort of a mishmash. At 7.07, you'd wait for somebody to run out. Nobody ever did. Yeah. Now, by the, by the middle of the year, it was Judge running out. He's, he's, he's something. He's something very, very real.
2: I love you guys. I love your broadcast. Uh, always a pleasure to see an old friend like John Sterling and you pass through town. How many more years you got? You guys think you'll be up in that booth?
9: Oh, well, John! John said he's going to pass away in the booth, and he said that on on radio once. And I said, "Well, let me know when it's going to happen, and I'll go to the ladies' room." Um, no, John, we're going to do it until they tell us to go away. Could be tomorrow. I, could be I don't five wanna, years.
3: I don't even want to think of that because I was I, seriously. I was at Nationals Park. On opening day, a few years back when Harry Callis Yeah Oh, had,
9: oh all and, right. I didn't mean to be glib
3: about no, that. No, though, no, no, right? no, no, not at all. I understand totally where you're coming from. And, and and I would be the same way, but I mean I I was down in the in the runway there when yeah. I got when I got a call from Jack Hicks, our engineer yeah. upstairs. Oh boy. And said that that's oh, what sorry happened. sorry to
9: bring that back. That's but all right. To change the, to change the subject, um, Stan, please tell your nephew that he's absolutely terrifying on the Menendez brothers. Terrifying.
2: I just spoke to him the other night. You know, you know about his new
9: role? He's, I know nothing he, about him because I'm still upset that he left the good wife.
2: Well. That he, I think the timing was right to get out before. And by the
9: way, his um, his 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 turn on Kimmy Schmidt is remarkable. He's yeah. so funny.
2: Did you see him on John Oliver? The thing he did no, on that? Oh, no. it was hilarious. Google John Oliver, Josh Charles, and it, it's about a five-minute piece. Very very funny on takeoff on CSI Miami, and uh, which is a uh, Dennis Caruso.
9: Mm-hmm. Uh, he does I a know. takeoff yeah. on him. It's yeah. fantastic.
2: I, I'm
3: still mad at him because he never introduced me to Felicity Hoffman. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Felicity Hoffman, has she, she, oh, she been around?
2: Uh, well, no, they no, no, did that show in Sportsline. They were in Sportsline together. Sports
9: together. Oh, that's right. That's well, right. That's well, right. We'll tell him and maybe he'll call her up and bring her uh, over.
2: I'm only mentioning this because he's in this new movie that he's doing with Alec Baldwin, and I forget her exact name. Is it um, it's Baccarat? The the absolutely gorgeous girl, she plays John DeLorean's wife, and Josh plays DeLorean's engineer. He's filming that right now. Sounds like an entertaining movie. Oh, cool! I'll tell. I'll pass along well, that. he's—he's.
9: He's, I didn't recognize him because he's got facial makeup. He's got stuff on him. Right. But he's terrifying in I'll, Menendez Brothers. He's just like like a psychopathic liar, icky person.
2: I'm gonna tell him next well, year. It's kind of an
3: offshoot of Stan, if you think about <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna tell him next year he's got to stop up in the booth sometime to say. I hello met him
9: to once you. in the in the press room.
2: He's a great kid.
9: When, and yeah. I couldn't talk because he was still doing Good Wife, and I was devastated because they killed him. I remember. Remember, he came in right after he yeah, left the show, yeah. and it, I couldn't talk because it was he, and I didn't. I must have made an idiot out of myself. But did, anyway, did, he's tremendous, and you're related to him, so you must be tremendous too. Did
2: Did, did I ever tell you the story about my social media faux pas? The no. night, the night, yes, that, the you night. Told, he, yes, you said what happened. The night he got killed off on The Good Wife, right? <laughs> that ga- That show was delayed by about. Two hours because of NCAA basketball, so now it's about midnight, and I'm not even thinking. So I type You're in, kidding. I said, I said, without a spoiler alert, I didn't even know what what a spoiler alert. I said I just had the unusual circumstance of seeing my nephew killed killed on television. You would have thought I'd given away top secrets of the government or something to the North Koreans. You asshole! I mean, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable! All right, Suze, great to talk to you. All right, guys, enjoy have a your off season.
9: We'll do this again. Bye bye. All right,
2: love you. Bye bye. Susan Waldman, one of the best. We need a timeout, don't we? All right, you can never have enough Susan Waldman. We'll take a timeout and say our
7: goodbyes on the batter round. Join us for Jim McKay, Maryland Million Day on Saturday, October 21st at Laurel Park. Come with friends and family to Maryland's Day at the Races. A celebration of Maryland's horses and lots of fun for all ages. First race is at 1215 with 11 exciting races. Don't miss the first annual hat contest. Three categories and wonderful prizes. It will be fun for all at Laurel Park on Saturday, October 21st. For more information, visit MarylandMillion.com or MarylandRacing.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now.
8: On the cover, Sandra McKee profiles Dr. Leanne Curl, not only the first female team orthopedic in the NFL, but also a huge part of everything the Ravens do. Also, 10 questions with Ravens kicker Justin Tucker and more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Park Cell Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit GiveTheGoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's GiveTheGoodwill.org, 866-492-2770.
2: PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game... Glenn is joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day great
8: news chick-fil-a nottingham square has a brand new catering delivery truck order your next office party platter from chick-fil-a nottingham square and steve and his crew will bring your chicken piping hot in the all-new chick-fil-a delivery van you'll salivate when you see it pull up office party birthday celebration family gathering chick-fil-a catering ensures fast scrumptious fresh food with everything you need included order using your chick-fil-a app or call steve right now and tell him what you need when and for how many? They can feed hundreds. Remember, Chick fil A now offers breakfast too, so they can cater your morning meeting, including hot, rich coffee. And it all comes in the brand new Chick fil A delivery van. That's Chick fil A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, or give them a call, 410 931 0031.
2: Do I really have to finish it myself?
3: No, I'm out of here. <laughs>
2: What do you got on tap today?
3: You got it. Sounds like you have
2: an easy day now. I
3: I was going to go to the Maryland game. Right. But I found out the network, uh, one of the networks that I I work for, doesn't need the game. Right. So I think I'm going to probably stop at the store on the way home and get a few things, and then watch Penn State lose to Ohio State.
2: They are going to lose today, aren't they? I
3: I would hope so. Yeah. I I know you would hope so.
2: Anyway. Anyway, who do you hate more between? Penn State, the Yankees, Duke, and North
3: Carolina? Uh, I'd say probably Penn, Penn State. Penn State? Yeah. Duke is right up there a close second. Right. Carolina third? No, I know. Don't, I don't. Carolina's Car- behind I, the Yankees? Carolina's a different animal to me because, yeah. see, I can always, if, if I want to bust somebody about Carolina, I can always go talk to Chris Miller from CSN. So, because he's a big, Carolina guy. So. How the Wizards going to be this year? I think they're going to be fine. You got Wall and Beal. Gortat's playing well. They're going to get Markeith Morris back. Oubre's uh, stepping up a Oubre little bit. Oubre's stepping up, yeah. Defense is his big, big part of his game.
2: Porter had a good game Porter, yesterday.
3: Porter had 29 yeah. last night against the Warriors. Who so they lost by three. Yep. So if you're losing, them, and you, they were up, I heard they were up you know, by 10 or 15. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you're playing well against the Golden State, you're doing pretty well. And how about the Caps? Uh, Caps are struggling a little bit right now, but uh, I still think Barry Trotz is trying to find combinations and things of that nature. So I I don't expect them to win a President's Trophy this year like they've won the Mm -hmm. last two years, but I certainly expect them to be a playoff team. All right. Well, you two guys uh, have the show next week.
2: Do you need my help? Guest-wise, what are you, are you no, going to no, handle it? You, right. you
1: know how we are with that, justin.
2: <laughs> well, I want to remind you that I am the only
3: one that picked the Dodgers, that's right. yeah. and that's why that next week's show will be one of the best ever.
1: <laughs> I do want to say something though. We were talking about Guriel's issue. Did you see you Darvish's uh, tweet? Yeah, I heard his, his comment
2: was that he uh, disrespected told- him. He's young, he'll, you know, he's got to grow up some or something.
3: Yeah, like he'll that. learn from it, and let's all learn from yeah, it, and yeah. go forward.
1: Like on Twitter, he said, no one's perfect, yep. What way he did was not right, but we should put our effort into learning rather than to accuse him, and right. that this is a giant stamp, giant step for mankind. And he really put a positive message to it, which I thought was a very classy way for him to respond. Especially
2: on a night where he got, where it would have yeah. been easy for him to say. Yeah, like he had all the
1: reasons to be upset. yeah. yeah. But he did a really good job responding the way he did. For those that may
2: be listening last night, apparently after he hit the home run, he did something with his eyes, you know, like making fun of Japanese, (laughs) orientals, Asians. So, anyway, game uh, four is tonight. Alex Wood scheduled to be the starter, and apparently uh, Dave Roberts is sticking to that story. And he will go up against – who's pitching for –
1: Is it Morton?
9: Yeah, it's Charlie
2: Morton. Charlie Morton's pitching. good, Boy, that's the kind of guy the Orioles need to sign next year. Charlie Morton. Somebody, well, he signed for one Yeah, I know. Year. But They've yeah. got to find a guy like that. that, that They're
1: was, out there. That was the guy who you said could not live up to the playoff atmosphere right. in Game yeah, yeah, 7. That's, that's what
3: we, you know, we went <laughs> on Twitter. Houghton.
2: We went on oh Twitter. Don't change. You can play the tape. I said he hasn't been in this situation before, and
3: Sabathia has.
2: I
1: can also right, wrong.
3: And, and when he it's mentioned wrong. the fact that the Astros won, and I te- just texted him back, and I said on Twitter that yeah, that Charlie Morton seemed to <laughs> really have yeah. a hard time with the playoff pressure.
1: Make your pick. What's the score tonight?
3: I think Houston's go- going to win tonight. Uh, four, four to, four to three. I think Houston hangs seven on the board tonight, and they win seven to three.
2: Houston eight to three. Wow, hey, both of you. So you we go. all think Houston's <laughs> going to win tonight. Right. All right. But I'll go on record as saying it that be I think Kershaw to, because will it would win be hard for me because it would be it would
3: be hard for me to bet against Clayton Kershaw in yeah. Game Five. Yeah, and but then it's very hard to bet against Justin, Justin Verlander, Verlander in, in game, game Six. six of,
2: yeah. So essentially, the series comes down to tonight, oh, in my estimation. Yeah. All right, that does our does it for this week's show. Uh, K- uh, Kenzales and Sarita Hubbard. Tomorrow, uh, no Ravens uh, game day. Uh, situation tomorrow because the Ravens are off. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, Craig and Bonza will be here next Saturday. Glenn Clark and Kyle all through the week, ten to twelve, at pressboxonline.com/radio.